0: Hello, and welcome back to the spookiest season of the year, October. here at the Ark of E. The Dark
1: of E. <laughs> my name is Noah. Yes, and my name is Gavin, and uh, we both travel across oceans of time to be here. But one thing that has not changed, as in many Arktobers in the past, is that we've we find ourselves again faced with an unspeakable evil that we must figure out some way to vanish it to the abyss from which it came.
0: You're starting to sound
1: a lot like uh, Van Helsing.
0: Is that what we're doing here?
1: Yes, D- Dracula. He 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 is real. I assure you. I don't really have like a good Christopher is... Plummer like Dracula 2000. I was going gonna on. say. Is that, that what you're doing? To, of, like, yeah, 2000, I 2000, trying trying
0: The most famous of all vampire movies. Uh hello everyone.
1: Uh I mean yeah, Jerry Butler, come on. It's good. Johnny Lee Miller. Classic Jerry Butler. Okay. Yes. Uh it was Jerry Butler before he was Jerry Butler. It, no one knew who he it's was. It's
0: that time of the year. I know we I know we spent months saying October twenty twenty one, baby. That's where it's all gonna happen. And in classic RKV fashion, it's you we know, got what, like a week and a half left of spooky mm-hmm. season? And uh, this is the first time you're hearing from us. So apologies on that front. Uh, we'll, we'll go ahead and explain a bit. Uh, I had a, a wedding to attend. First part of, of October. October. And uh, so I was a little delayed getting into the spooky season. We also of course teased a, a big all-blanchard review of the uh, now uh, number one movie at the box office. Yeah, definitely the domestic box office. Million dollars. Uh million. Halloween Kills. The latest and probably the most often talked about franchise. Pretty much, I mean, we pretty much built an entire network. Around. It, around yes. discussing that movie. Right. <laughs> and that franchise in particular. So, uh, but that was also further delayed because... Uh, Mr. Matthew J. Blanchard, the younger of the two brothers Blanchard. Yes. Just had a new Blanchard of his own.
1: The first Blanchard Great Grandchild.
0: The first uh Blanchard of the, the in the Ark of E era. The first, first the first staff member to the have first a first Blanchard a of child. the
1: of the twenty first century, am I right? That might be possible. Yeah. I
0: think so. Has anybody else any other Blanchards had babies recently?
1: I mean our clan, no.
0: Okay, we're getting sidetracked. We are. But yeah, we That's want to send so you a take big, some time off? A big welcome. Send yeah. A little Miss Rowan. Rowan. Jemison? Yes. Blanchard. Right. Rowan J. Blanchard. Has a fantastic ring to it.
1: Roman J. Blanchard Israel. Er, Esquire. Sorry. Roman J. Israel Esquire. Roman J. Blanchard. Yeah. yeah Rowan. The Rowan, yeah. Yes. It's real close.
0: But yeah, we look forward yeah. to meeting her in person. We do. Um She's
1: technically I... our cousin once removed. And that is true um but needless to
0: say uh Matt is quite busy at the moment she was just born what less than a week ago the 17th 17th indeed and we are recording this on the 20th and it's going to turn into the 21st before we're done hopefully yeah and i don't think we're dropping this until
1: the 23rd the because 23rd be... of april <laughs> of april just one <laughs> and what is it no is yes yeah, april 23rd or the 24th you, you know the, no, no it's the I 21st agree. the 21st of april 11 55 <laughs> oh i rewatched the fog the good fog i'm sure you did
0: oh yeah okay we'll get into some rewatches and uh i don't know you'll see by the episode title though we're, we're just gonna you know, we're just getting back in the swing of things. Yeah, it's been a bit since we recorded. Right, it's been a bit since we've done October sort of things. We had a poll out to yes. our listeners, which thank you to everybody who took part in that. And uh, instead of narrowing down and doing a, a straight up two by two for this month, we decided to give you more like a I don't know, like a four by four. I guess that's what it would be. I don't know if we're going to talk about all eight of the movies that were in contention, but we'll we'll talk about those. Talk about what we've been watching for our horror rewatches, and I'm sure I'm going to have to sneak in a couple things in there. And that's part of why I'm not, like, I haven't been able to fully get into the spooky spirit, mm-hmm. it's because there's been so many other things coming out this month, non horror related, right. to distract me on top of all of the day to day life stuff that keeps me from being able to. like I, I think I'm a few days behind because we try and do one a day. That's usually what we challenge ourselves to do. Um, and I think I'm at least two or three behind, even though I've, I've, I've basically been playing catch-up this whole time. Right. We'll get into it. Anyways, uh, I don't know if I finished my point, but we will have the Halloween Kills review,
1: Yes. whether
0: it's all Blanchard or not, by the end of the month. So you have plenty of time to watch it. Of course, it's available on Peacock, and it's in a theater near you. Uh, we'll get into our theatrical experience on that episode. We will. We'll, we'll save all of our thoughts. Uh, but I think we had some differing opinions. I will tease that. So look forward to a very lively discussion about a lot of deaths. Right? Do you get it? Lively discussion.
1: Uh uh-huh. No, I mean, okay. yeah. You you kind of already you already kind of like colored it in a way that makes me the bad guy. So it's all good.
0: <laughs> I mean. I think anybody who's listened to any of our previous coverage could have guessed. Uh, Gavin loved it. Whoa, whoa, whoa! I didn't <laughs>
1: love it. Okay, seven point seven or what was I? Seven or eight? What did I say?
0: You told me an eight point five.
1: Yeah, that's not loving it. That's like it's good. It's great. It's not loving it. Nine <laughs> it's is great. It's great. I didn't love it,
0: but yeah. it's great.
1: Well, I have okay. problems with it. I mean, you know, I have lots of problems with it. Yeah. So. We'll get into one, one one glaring one let's is just the ridiculousness let's, of
0: let's save it.
1: Yeah, I've been, but I've been. Ah, I've only talked to like three people about it, and I guess I have to check myself because I don't want. I'm going to talk to friends about it this weekend, so that'll be another review. And let's I just don't want to rehash it. things on one that I go into my friends with with you guys. So that's why I was hoping this we would we would have talked about it before, so I can maybe like step back and get people's opinions. But if my first real discussion about it's going to be with, like, other groups of friends, the all blanche review may be some rehashing of stuff. I'm just, just throwing that out there. So you okay. want to talk about it right now? No, just my one big glaring issue. Okay, tease it, I tease guess. It. Okay. Sure. I just don't understand. Maybe it's supposed to speak to some sort of, like, innate animal mob thing. But, like, everybody in that bar watched the news report we didn't get to see it because the screen faded, but they definitely showed two different fucking mug shots, two different people who were not accounted for. And then all of a sudden it's, oh no, it's him. It's him at the hospital. It's him. That's my only problem. That's my only big glaring thing of like, are you kidding me right now? That's your only problem. No, no, no. Like that movie. that's my only problem. I have other issues, <laughs> but I don't have a problem. Listen, I try to be Do clear. Do you want
0: to fucking get? Yeah. I try to be clear, clear and, in the and, way that I speak. Yes. Do you want to have a conversation about semantics right now? Mm-hmm. Okay, um, we'll get into all of that yes. and more. Like I said, hopefully it is an all blanch review. If we are unable to do that, maybe we'll have an interesting three-man pod, and we'll just get Patrick in. But I think the easiest way to do that is going to be Zoom. So you, you know, we you don't have to come down here for that because I don't know how we would both get on Zoom mic'd up on the same top. Or on separate tops in the same room, like I don't know about the feedback and all that shit. We'll figure it out, right? One way or another, though, if we can't do it with those gentlemen, then you're coming back down here, and we will, we'll just have it out, right? That works. Um, but we will have that discussion up.
1: When when are we gonna have that discussion up, Noel? When's it gonna be?
0: Mark my words. October thirty first.
1: Okay so you we now uh just one more workshop question one more shop question (laughs) did you already watch the director's cuts of these two that you wanted me to watch to do our like legit two by because this back and forth poll thing was like my brainchild but you said you wanted to do midsommar Um,
0: i have not watched either (laughs) okay yet so i don't know you may be getting a late two by two. Maybe this is the two by two. Maybe we call. You know,
1: this is the four by four. If you want to get technical, but yeah, yeah sure.
0: Um, this is we'll the see. We'll play by ear. You know, I I only you know tease that and set it for like I don't know two months in advance. Yeah, but yeah, I haven't watched either. I did, th- dude. And they don't. I am currently, don't I'm have currently like... working two jobs. I. Also I had to put the finishing touches on an album plug plug plug, uh-huh. which comes out on the 29th, available okay. everywhere. Uh, it's called the Losagen. We'll talk about that more when it comes out. Um, <laughs> you look so perplexed. It's
1: like I thought. Is that like theology, and then like a lozenger? Is it like religious music to you know really? A your... is a.
0: It's an astronomical. It's an astronomy term for uh, any like basically. Material or element that could create that helps to build a planetary ocean. So it's kind. Of, it's about like space and ocean. You'll you'll get it when you when you listen to it. So it's about the old ones, the cosmic gods, the ones that existed
1: before me. Yes, it's
0: all based on H.P. Lovecraft. Okay,
1: fuck yeah. I actually, do me.
0: have some Lovecraft like one song on there that is directly inspired by the Lighthouse, which is basically an H.P.
1: Lovecraft story. Okay.
0: Did you watch the Lighthouse?
1: With Pattinson Batman, and, and, Green Goblin? Batman yes. and Green Goblin. Yes, yes. Yeah. no, yeah, I watched it like 3 times. Okay. Fucking great. Yeah. Okay. Uh
0: But yeah, I was putting the finishing touches on an album. Fucking James Bond had to go and end the the franchise for right now. Spoilers, so I had to go catch dude. that. And spoilers. In that it's his last movie. Okay. Like whatever the franchise is going to be, we don't know yet. They got to find a new one. We got to pick our we got to make our we picks. Don't know what's going uh yeah, we could do that as an episode. Yeah. But yeah, we both saw No Time to Die, but that's how dedicated we are to October right now. We're not even going to tell you how we felt about it, right. even though I will tell you I thought it was fucking great and uh, I highly recommend it and I'm yeah. probably going to go two or three more
1: times before it's out of theaters. I loved it. experience. I I I loved it. I loved every okay. second of just, it. Just that's a yeah, just the distinction. Yes. I loved No Time to Die. Halloween kills was great. But I loved No Time to Die. Okay, are were, were we clear? We're
0: definitely on the. I mean, we're on the same page on okay. the No Time to Die front for sure.
1: Uh, well, I guess since like Midsummer and Doctor Sleep, Sleep, I don't know if you want to classify them as like straight up horror. I would classify Midsummer that no problem.
0: Where do you hold back on that with Doctor Sleep?
1: Though? It's just more like a science fic, not science fiction, but it's just like a, it's a we like it's not. I don't know. I don't. I don't get it's, shining. It's supernatural yeah, horror. It's supernatural, but it's not like The I don't know. Shining is as well. Right, but like The Shining is, is scary, like yeah. deeply scary.
0: I agreed. It's my favorite horror movie of all time. Right. Probably like my fifth or sixth favorite movie of all time. Right. And like Doctor yeah. Sleep
1: hits that note, but it's just not. I don't. Look, I don't look at it, and I mean, when I see that, I don't immediately think great horror movie. I just. It's like a supernatural, maybe like a thriller, maybe like a. Again, I do put like Stephen King things in their own stratosphere. Right. If that makes sense. Whereas like Midsomar, there's tons of Wicker Man vibes. There's tons of I'll give you um, Midnight Mass vibes in terms of like the the whole you're isolated, you're here with this group thing.
0: You do realize the director of Dr. Sleep directed Midnight Mass. Really? That's a Flanagan joint. Really?
1: Wow. Did you like. Did you really watch Doctor Sleep? Yes, watch twice. it. Watch it twice. Okay. From start to finish, one time, and then I, I just, caught it. We talked about th- it yeah. at
0: the time, but I just—you know me. Like I just said, The Shining is one of—it's one of my yeah. favorite movies. Period. It is my favorite horror movie. I had Mike, and I like Mike Flanagan mm. prior to it. But I had my guard up, dude. I didn't go see it in the theater. It bombed.
2: Mm -hmm. And
0: I checked it out at home begrudgingly because I had heard, like, hey, it's not not too bad. That was the consensus I had heard. And I watched it and thought it was a borderline fucking masterpiece. I would not... I don't put it in the same, like, stratosphere, as you would say, of the original in any way, shape, or form. But for what it was... Because that is a fusion of... How do I reconcile the book that a lot of people have a huge attachment to, including Stephen King himself, with the visual iconography and the film? Mm-hmm. how do I reconcile the two? And every single decision to me that he made in terms of negotiating that was fucking brilliant. Mm-hmm. Like so as a as a fan of both, right? I was just super impressed. With like, dude, you actually put a lot of thought into this. And I still, again, have not even seen the director's cut. I thought that theatrical, the two and a half hour, was, like I said, a borderline masterpiece. And I've heard the director's cut is much better. Okay. So I that's part of why I was so excited to talk about it. From a horror perspective, to me the most horrifying thing in that entire movie is little Jacob Tremblay. Yes, when they when the van full of people take him out, like that is one of the most upsetting things I've ever seen. Yes, in any movie, and mm-hmm. definitely in recent horror movies, one of the most like profoundly like disturbing and upsetting things I've seen in a long time. Well, see, and that's um, that's the thing with Midsommar, the and opener. Uh, that talk about another movie the that was is profoundly is upsetting and disturbing, like... but also absolutely hysterical. That is the thing I keep coming back to with that movie: is the comedy in it. You do not expect. No. That is a very funny movie considering what it's about. (laughs) Right. And what's going on. Yeah. Yes. Uh, And again, have not watched the director's cut of that either. Both of them are sitting right by my, but I'll, I mean, you're about to hear what I was distracted with, with all of this other stuff. Also, side note, again, we're trying to stay on task. Succession season three started this, this past weekend. And it's pretty much all that I'm thinking
1: about. Um, I see, I don't do that. I, if it's it literally no time TV, to die.
0: TV I make an exception for, and theatrical I make an exception. If dude, if I'm following a show already, I'm not gonna put a capper on it because.
1: I mean, I technically did like uh, uh, what if, and I'm up on why why the last I never man
0: finished. What if oh, did okay. you hear? Did you hear about why the last man? No, it's already been canceled. Really? Before even the, the before they even aired all of the first season, they really? announced said it's canceled at FX. Yeah. Huh. Um. I didn't make it past the second one just because I got distracted with other stuff. I was planning on it, but I got to be honest. Now that it's like a one and done season, I'm like, and they said they are shopping it to other places, but literally like two days ago, they're like, it's canceled. Yeah. It's done. Because I guess nobody's fucking watching it. I am. I, I but again case in point myself I was excited for it enjoyed what I saw and just fell off naturally so I'm wondering if people got a lot of shit going on right now like give a show give I just, a show a chance but obviously the they should the production they should, cost they should, they should have versus waited. what the return they were seeing. but they should have,
1: have waited till after the Walking Dead was over if they waited till the Walking Dead finished this year and then they aired it as I, like hey you want your like comic book dystopian fix with like. It's not zombies. It's just you know one dude and a bunch of chicks. I mean, like
0: I think that's I mean that's honest. That's the saddest thing overall with that whole show is like it took so long to right, get this yeah. incarnation of it even to the screen and for them to be like, yeah, and you're not going to be able to like finish telling the story. Mm-hmm. It's got to be so fucking frustrating because yeah, it does. Honestly, at this point, I feel like one of those properties that, like, they should have done it 10 years ago or not at all. Right. Like, it should have happened when there was the initial thrust to, like, let's fucking do this. Where's something like Umbrella um,
1: Academy that's been out for a while but then hits on Netflix and people are like, give yeah. me season three. You know? Yeah. You never know what's going to transform from the medium back and forth, which is one thing I want to get into Honestly, when we start talking about Honestly, another one where I'm,
0: like, i like, you know, rights are what they are. And I don't know how all that shook out. But, yeah, why, if Why the Last Man was literally... The same show produced the same way it was. Except, again, I say this having seen two episodes. You're obviously way deeper into it. Mm-hmm. Um, I would venture if the exact same show was not a... Is it an FX on Hulu exclusive? Yes. Or, it, or is it airing on FX? No, because it's like full on R-rated. Right, yeah. Um. So yeah, it's FX on Hulu exclusive in the same way that I believe like Devs was. Right. The Alex Garland show and a few others have been. Um. I feel like if that same show is on Netflix, it's a five-season guarantee. You get to do the whole story. Like, mm-hmm. just the, the audience base, literally. I feel like every it would be, like, you know, in the top ten, people would be talking about mm-hmm. it. It's just a result of, like, where it's available. Right. Because the user base is still, I mean, even for Hulu, it's not, it's nothing compared to the fucking no. Netflix juggernaut. It's another topic for another day. You want to get spooky?
1: Yeah. All right. You want to get nuts let's get nuts <laughs> yeah get nuts. so we put a poll out we based off movies that we gave and my idea was we you my initial idea was like let's take two from each decade and let's pit them against each other kind of like we did with the water boy right and after the poll yeah, stuff sure. you were like well let's do this and this and i was like why don't we just do the winner of each decade as like a supersized thing now i'm glad we did knowing that you haven't watched those two other things and we might not be doing those as a two by two so i could make it happen you could but my whole thing was like if you're gonna do that i hope you watch them i'll take them now i know that's the issue but you know so um anyway there's not a lot of
0: midsommar director's cuts floating around out there i think they only exactly. made a thousand copies <laughs>
1: Exactly. Same thing with like the... I I don't
0: think you can just stream it or like...
1: Actually, I think Apple TV
0: Plus maybe has exclusive access to the director's cut or Hmm. something
1: weird like that. Well, I have been wanting to watch that one show with with uh and there's a lot of stuff on him that Momoa. i vaguely
0: want to check out but yeah. nothing that i've been like
1: i have to see this yeah so we'll, what what we'll do is we'll run down what was up against each other Absolutely. and what, what had the vote so so
0: for you want to start with the 70s, 70s we're gonna yeah. go chronological and be boring we'll do, we can s- do that
1: we'll do 70s <laughs> okay yeah. so uh we put uh your pick was black christmas it was mine was dawn of the dead uh black christmas got 36.4 percent of the vote which uh, I was honestly
0: pleased to see yeah. that it got even more than just my vote.
1: Right. and uh, But Dawn of the Dead was the outright winner at 63.6% of the vote. We should
0: mention, everything that we pitted against each other are movies that we both would have been happy right. discussing. There's <laughs> um, no, no love loss here. Yes.
1: Except maybe for this next one. Uh, you put up oh, Hellraiser. We're just, we're just
0: burning through it immediately? Okay, go ahead.
1: Well, you put up Hellraiser. You did? I put up Near Dark. Right. And Hellraiser... Uh, it got 54.5% of the vote.
0: Oh, it did come out on top. It did top, come out on top, Just yeah. by a smidge. They were neck and neck yeah. when you right. had shown me before, or last time I checked in on it.
1: Yeah. Um, then we, uh, we let's just jump all the way to the 2000s. Why not? Because this was a uh, okay. close race for a minute, but then your pick edged it out. I put up uh, Splinter.
0: Great movie. A little
1: unknown horror movie for most people. Um, and my thing was that I did watch this, like, I think it was at Amazon, it was on Amazon, or maybe it was through Shutter. but it was 50 horror movies you've never seen, and I was mm. like, you know what, I've seen about half of these, right? and like midway through the 20s was Splinter, and I was like, oh, hell yeah, and then we talked about this, and I was like, fuck it, I'll, I'll, I'm gonna throw that up there, because I think it's a little unknown in that late in the decade, but I do think that the one that you picked, which everybody voted on, The Devil's Rejects, I feel like that kind of defines that decade, only maybe eked out by something like a hostel, which we can have that talk when we get there
0: i mean we can just talk about 2005 in general right because i have often cited that as the year that basically saved horror for me when i was pretty much ready to like mm-hmm. do i even give a shit about this genre anymore and there was four movies in particular that i'm thinking about that came out in pretty quick succession that i was completely blown away by and i was like and some of them have aged better than others, but yeah, so yeah. we'll save that for the 2000s. We'll build to that,
1: that and, moment
0: in time. And, and then the 90s. The
1: 90s. I swear to God, we already talked about this movie together. Cape was, Fear.
0: I have just done extended bits about Cape Fear on this podcast. I could have swear to God
1: you did a whole thing. I love it's it, like, dude. Kassler, you did like a whole De Niro impression. I thought we... Why did I watch the movie then? Did I just watch I pro- it to watch it?
0: I don't know. I probably did, and I probably also was. I probably showed you the Heidecker thing of him doing uh, Nick Nolte. Yes, my daughter. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Robert De Niro. He's trying to fuck my daughter. <laughs> <laughs> oh my yeah. God! Yeah. Oh, so Kate funny. Fear got twenty seven point three percent of the vote, and a whopping—it's actually the highest voted thing we have on here—is 1992's two's Candyman,
0: because people. I because also wonder how many sweets people, to the sweet. Yes.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, and I wonder how much of that, of course, is that we just got a, a legacy sequel like a yeah. few months ago, and a lot of people are just now catching up with it. One um, thing I want to tell you um, before we jump into
1: this, oh, sure. I thought was pretty funny. I'm listening to uh, Strange and Unexplained with Daisy Egan. Okay. And she talked about this, um, basically a thing in Chicago in the 50s and 60s where you could literally, you know, you could just open your medicine cabinet and guess what? There's a whole other apartment back there, right? Mm -hmm. So she says, you know, she's talking about this, whatever, whatever. She goes, you know, in the 90s, they made a movie called Candyman about this. Um, spoiler alert, I totally watched it with my, with a, a you know, a group of friends. And when I was, uh, you know, in high school or college or whatever, I totally watched it with Jordan Peele. And yeah, we dated for a little bit and, uh, he's got a new Candyman coming out now. Obviously this was, she recorded before that one was released, but I was like, that's wild that like, you know, he's sitting there watching it with Candyman and with her. And then, you know, it's. It's not it never comes out and tells you it's based off that. And it's weird that it is from The Forbidden, which is a Clive Barker story that has nothing to do with that. So it's obvious that the director of the original perfectly in tone, I feel like, pulls that into it and makes, you know, very much makes Caprina Green a character in that movie. And then to see that like put on display again in the new one was really dope. So I don't know if you wanna just like I don't know if you want to do, like, a compare and contrast, because, I mean, we well, you know all of these movies. These aren't, like, it's not going to be deep for us to dive into, like, oh, I, I, I didn't watch Black Christmas again, so I can't talk about it. It's like, you could talk to me about it for an hour right now if right. you wanted to. So I don't know if you want to compare and contrast the decade and, like, talk about what was well, going on and why the-, the movie matters in that decade or what.
0: Yeah, I guess mainly why of all... Of all the options, why why'd you pick that one? Yeah, and I yeah. think
1: that's better than trying to like hit them against each other. So so pick a decade, can, any decade. Let's go. Let's go with the eighties. Okay.
0: Okay. I went with Hellraiser mainly because it's one that I ne- I think my first exposure to it was it was like that compilation DVD. What what was that shit called? It had like all these horror boogeyman. clips and the boogeyman. Yes. And then they did a follow up fight that was all yeah, action fight. movies. It and was that was fighters. the first time I ever saw the They live fight. Right. For instance. But in this boogeyman collection. What was this like early 2000s ish. Yep. So, yeah, it had basically like here's a greatest hits scene of like yeah. all the classic big slasher dudes. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, I felt like we watched it multiple times or whatever. But that was my first exposure to Hellraiser, but I never sought it out. Right. And so it's this weird one that, like, I didn't really see until, not adulthood, but, like, I probably watched it for the first time in college. And I was like, this movie's fucking great. Like, I just, I was like, I knew all the sequels and everything, but it was just one of those I had never gone back to. And I did the thing in college where I was like, holy shit, first one's great. Follow up with the sequel, and I'm like, do this really good sequels it's pretty Hell solid bad. yeah and then get to the third one and go oh okay here's i, where I, see, where, the I see where i right see where i see where these are going for like the and then i tapped out and even though i have the collection that you've bought me i've i have never seen it i should go watch like the scott derrickson one you should watch Inferno. one with Henry Cavill at least uh i think that one's what is that revelations or something?
1: i don't know and then there's one with Craig Craig Breco Brigio and or now he? they're Craig Schiffer.
0: And now they are rebooting it. Rebooting it, and it sounds very intriguing. So I'm yeah. I'm totally down for it. But I think it's because I came to it a little later in the game, mm-hmm. and in my head it was this like phantasmagorical, just like blood and guts fest. Mm-hmm. That's all I really knew of it was the imagery of Penhead and some of the other cenobites, right? And you go back and watch that first one, and it's like reading a really good, like, modern Edgar Allan Poe story or something, which essentially is what Clive Barker was. He was not, like, he's not a Stephen King, in my mind. Mm -hmm. It was way more rooted in, like, the gothic and, like, mythological things. Not that he was even, like, Lovecraftian. I think of him more in the vein of, like, an Edgar Allan Poe. The... The romanticism, of like the human right. part and stuff. And then what he brings to it is this crazy like sci fi element of the Cenobites and like creature effects and like all this other stuff. And I guess the other thing that blew me away, because I knew of it as a Clive Barker story, but like I didn't expect him to be what I think I like I wish he directed more shit mm-hmm. because that was the other thing I remember being super impressed by. Was like some of the editing choices and the way they like tell the flashback kind of fluidly. I think it was one of the first times I had really seen that done. It was a little jarring at the time, honestly, but now you look at it and it's like no, like there's a lot of movies that use that that editing language essentially. There's and not that there weren't before. It's just one of the first things that like popped to me about it. And you get really drawn into like you said this romantic like semi erotic story, and it's like. But they're—I love that they're all these like pretty deeply like fucked up people, and they're mm-hmm. all kind of shitty towards each other. Right, and then you have like the one girl who—it's like she's the one guiding element of like oh, it almost is like an '80s teen horror movie, but not really at yeah. all. It's so adult and like the marriage drama and like
1: my brother—he
0: <laughs> cheated on me with my brother and shit—and then.
1: You know, has someone drawing men back to the house just to like fuck and murder? Absolutely.
0: I mean, I need a friggin'. I'm terrible with names in this cast because you know they're not like name, names. Yeah, just a Doug Bradley's the one you realize. Yeah, of right. course you have Doug Bradley as Penhead, but um, and that that was the other thing overall is like so much that the movie is a buildup to the cenobites. Like they're right. barely in it. Yeah, that's, and the, it's that's not, the thing and I And because mean. they're not like this natural like slasher thing that you're expecting. You know, the way he was presented to me in that Boogeyman collection was like, oh, he's like another Michael Myers or like more in the vein of Freddy Krueger because he talks, but like, you know, he, he's more into like leather and like whips and chains and shit as opposed to like he's not all burnt up, but he like looks, mm-hmm. you know, like a weird freak. And I, you know. That was my conception of it. And then when you actually get into it, it's like, no, that's why, that's why I constantly go back to it is because it's, it's a
1: really like, it's a really good subversion of the genre in the middle of a decade. That was, Oh, let's slap it together.
0: Completely burnt out. Let's just fucking go broke.
1: Let's show as much blood as we can. Let's do the craziest thing. Slap it on video and let's go. Excuse me.
0: Claire Higgins as Julia. Yes is w- like one of those to me iconic female horror performances that does not get talked about right. often enough but she's like phenomenal in that movie. You could you could say everybody else is like of varying degrees but that's also kind of the charm. It is still a little rough around the edges. It is his first feature if i'm not mistaken. Yes. And but at the same time you're so impressed with like the sheer the storytelling the balls of it on it's just like like you said it's it's salacious it is genuinely subversive where you're like this is like this is twisted mm-hmm. and if you like that kind of thing of like th- this is a, you could broadly look at this as like it's kind of like a lifetime movie with like yeah crazy gore murder in it mm-hmm. and again um just intergalactic the- Um, Cosmic, excuse me. I would see you say cosmic.
1: (laughs) You say cosmic, but and that's that's the only thing I think that people you you lose in the sequels is that like this is very much a the Cenobites. You invite them in, and they they show you oh my my, oh what treasures we have
0: to show you like. You, no, dude, my favorite is untold pleasures
1: yes. that will tear your soul apart. Yeah. And the idea that it's like, okay, Frank was this dude who, like, he fucked all the time, and he was on dr- Living was life to the sense- max. Yeah, just, like, like trying yes. to get all the senses open at one time. And this box is going to offer him, we'll go. We'll even go full joy division, unknown pleasures. Yeah. You know, you're going to get that, right? And you don't ever think that it's gonna be like the pleasure of like your flesh getting torn from your body. But there is also a subset of a the fetish community that loves piercing, loves blood play, knife Pain, play, all that. Whatever yeah. the
0: suspension suspension
1: on yeah. top. Yeah. So it taps into all that and it's one of these things that's like you can say cosmic if you want to give the credit of like the that's him pulling a little bit of Lovecraft. I have always taken it as basically the Cenobites will take you to hell. And hell is this place where like pleasure and pain meet and you are constantly left there and you cannot leave. But if you do somehow get out, they will find you. You, Once you open this box, there's no going back. It's the same thing of like we talked about a little while ago with Candyman. Just don't fucking say his name. And it's so easy. Don't play with this box and you'll be fine. Put the box away. Yeah, give it to somebody else. You know, just give it away. Yeah. But I also know like I'm a fidgeter. I would probably accidentally oh, hit I it. 100% would. And it would open up. I could up. not have it around me. Right.
0: I could not have a prop you know, of that around me. I, yeah. No
1: good. It's like, no way. Like, yeah. But. the it's This what, one.
0: Sorry. One of my favorite moments in Cabin in the Woods is when they, they find the basement full of all the different shit. Right. And of course they all have bets on like what it's going to be. Right. And they pick up the box. It's like, no, it's no. not a Yeah. Great stuff. The,
1: um, in the, um, what was I going to say? The, the, this one in the, in the second one, they do have that idea that like they are demonic, they are from hell. But when you get into the latter ones, basically Pinhead just like shows up and like makes people like repent for their sins and like tortures them for like calling him. It's not like a, we'll make you a deal. And I don't know how far you've gotten if you got to the third one but the third one has my favorite scene where it's basically Doug Bradley as this explorer. And he's like, he's done everything. He's tried to find everything much like Frank. Right. And when he opens the box, you see this, this thing of basically like him getting pulled in, stripped off. And like, basically, you know, it's him being transformed into pinhead in. with yeah. the things. That, and like, that's how he exists now. And it's, it's weird. The best sad. part of three. <laughs> like, Which is like the that opening. sequence. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. And
0: then like the yeah. the whole nightclub owner, all of that's yeah. Just, just
1: Yeah. Which I mean, you know, but for the first one, like and and it's such a it's it's The one first of those things, one like, is
0: a straight up classic. Right. Like because, it should be right there along with right. some of the other top fran- and, and again, you can remove the franchise from it. Even though I think Hellbound is Oh yeah, it's a great solid. sequel.
1: To to keep simple. going with the daughter because that that probably is one of the mm-hmm it's I mean the whole movie is just like whoa but it is one of the more like sorrowful like oh damn is the moment when she comes back home and realizes that like her dad is her her uncle uncle is wearing wearing her dad's skin suit so creepy and it's just like you know that like the dad really would never have like done anything wrong and like it could have just the two of them could have gotten out and it could have been okay leave leave your wife and your brother to do whatever weird fucking sex shit they're gonna do in the in the in the attic but just to know, like, nope, he's dead, and now your uncle is alive and wearing him as a skin suit. It's just, yeah. it's one of the mo- <laughs> most terrifying, like, yeah. Because you're just like, well, fuck. Like, it doesn't matter if you make it out of here. Like, you are on your own. It's, what are you going to do? And then you get into Hellbound, and you're like, okay, yeah, I get it. Yeah. They're mad at her for double crossing. She's like, oh, I I, I gave you Frank. You're not coming back yeah, for me. Square. Yeah. Uh,
0: yeah. Both of those available on Shudder, if I'm not mistaken, if you've never seen them. Yes. <clears throat> highly recommend even though we just spoiled them. And again, if you're listening to this, I'm we can't even do prob- to, I'm yeah. assuming you've probably seen Hellraiser. Yeah.
1: If you uh, haven't, you definitely know someone who has. Yeah, and- I was
0: going to say, and if you're like me and like waited forever and you've just been like, oh, I don't know if that's my style. I didn't think it was my style either. And I think again, I think the first one is like uncommonly good, it's a very good movie. Yeah. Um, what was your pick? My pick
1: 80s? was Near Dark.
0: Which Basically, I will let you reiterate your pitch because I have notably we're talking about stuff I watched in college. I saw it in college for the first time mm-hmm. after, you know, this is post Hurt Locker. Right. Probably post Zero Dark 30 as well. Yeah. I'm imagining. And of course I love point break. I'm into Big Low and I was like, I've always heard about this one. I've seen it in like the hundred scariest movie moments on Bravo, stuff like that. I'm aware of it. I've seen clips, Mm -hmm. but I never sat and watched it. Yeah. And I did. And I was kind of indifferent towards it. That's the best I could describe it. And I've been meaning to give it another proper shot because I know people love it and I love a lot of people in it. And I do love Catherine Bigelow as a director. So I, I need to re-explore and reassess simply because I, I don't know why I didn't respond to it then, but you know, my movie watching brain's completely different now. Yeah, still, it's, it's always evolving. Well,
1: I think it's one of the reasons, maybe, why is that not shortly after this, you have one of the best vampire movies of all time. And if you don't know that Near Dark is a vampire movie going into it, you don't know what to make of it. But the thing that always creeped me out about it that I was like, What the hell is this? is the box art in sycamore and blockbuster always had a really fucked up bill bill paxton yes and i always thought for some reason that near dark was actually like nightbreed or like one of these other crazy yeah, outsider it like, looked like a, what the hell is this i don't want to touch it. no
0: him. i agree with you it did not look like right. a, a vampire movie. no at all and so and you didn't know it was bill paxton either. no you didn't because he's got the sunglasses we probably would have been like oh we know bill pa- Yeah, yeah
1: exactly we can trust him which is weird, because isn't he Billy? Billy? He's Billy in Twister. Like, they call him Bill. Like, it's weird. So, yeah. Speaking of that, I did get on the road to go to work today, and fucking Child on Time came on. I definitely skipped it to, like, three months. Yeah. Anyway. Um, so, growing up, I'm like, okay, whatever. Near Dark is probably my second favorite vampire movie of the 80s. Lost Boys being number one and it is the only vampire movie of the 80s like lost boys that says you are not completely fucked if you get bitten by a vampire you have a way back and to me inherently like there is a a thing i know michael doesn't get bitten in lost boys but he could be he's drink blood so S- he
0: sorry so side note real quick is friday night the same year i believe so as lost boys and near dark is that possible
1: i maybe i thought friday night was 86
0: you might be right.
1: It might be like a year or two before eighty-five.
0: Never eighty-five. Mind. Yeah. Never
1: mind. Yeah. So, um, and I'm I'm gonna watch The Hunger at some point. I've never seen it. People keep it, it's it, on it HBO, right? Yeah, it is. Yeah, I definitely want to watch it. Highly um, recommend. But, but I think
0: that's the first Tony Scott.
1: Yes. yes. So the thing that instantly drew me into Near Dark was I've talked about it before. It definitely is like a night movie. Like, just where the night could take you. It starts with Adrian Passador literally just showing up to, like, he's a cowboy going to go out for a beer. And, like, he meets May, and he just goes on this adventure. And lo and behold, she's actually traveling around the country in a fucking van with a bunch of vampires. And you were supposed to be the first person she killed. She didn't. Now you're stuck with them. It's a lot
0: like Lost Boys. Right. I feel like this was my thing, too, probably, is I was just that's probably why I brushed it off and was not as focused on like the, fa- because of the familiar plot elements. Mm-hmm. I, I, yeah, again, I need to watch it to figure out yeah. why I didn't, why I didn't vibe with it. And I'm also wondering like, did I watch it like at night? Like mm-hmm. maybe that's, you know what? I don't have to work. tomorrow.
1: You should definitely check and it, I have it out it tonight, downstairs.
0: Dude. And I definitely didn't watch it on Blu-ray the first time. Yeah. So that might be part of it.
1: In all honesty, a lot of copies up until the most recent releases of them have not been that great. Like the copy, the DVD I watched of it the first go-round wasn't really a great transfer.
0: Perfect example. Yeah. Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Mm -hmm.
1: which you owned, I want to say at least two different versions
0: of when you were younger. And that movie looked like trash on both of those transfers. I watched it on, I mean, I've watched it subsequently better quality Mm -hmm. but whatever i feel like whatever they have on shutter right now is like a 4k restoration it's like as good as it could possibly look and the nighttime photography in that movie is amazing like Mm -hmm. i for years i thought it was like oh this is like really really grimy like really low budget right but when you actually like see how presumably it was meant to be seen or how it would have been projected and like its highest quality you're like no, it's actually extremely well shot in the way it captures like moonlight right. on the forest. Like that's the only thing illuminating them. Like it's yeah. not overly lit, but you can
1: see everything that's going on. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. Uh
0: so yeah, maybe yeah. I'll throw on that Blu-ray after
1: and I and I will I mean basically. I don't know when they got together, but it's basically like Catherine Bigelow went to the set of aliens. It was like, you, 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 and you come be in this vampire movie. So she right. gets Lance Henriksen, oh, Jeanette, uh, yeah, Jeanette Goldstein. Yeah, forget Jeanette Goldstein. too. and then, yeah, she's in Rivers. I don't know the actor's name. She's in Rivers Edge as well. It's the young. It's Keanu's younger brother in *River's Edge*. You know the face. You know you'll recognize it when you watch it. But then, and the other thing too is Adrian Pasador. Like I don't know Pasadour. what Pasador, whatever his name is. I don't know what he was doing up, up until this point. So I feel like maybe the reason why a lot of people are like, "eh," is because he's not a Corey or Kiefer Sutherland or something like that like a big draw, yeah, but he's no, still really good. There's no name. There, name there's no in name there. in the lead guy, but it doesn't take a, but it, maybe that's why it resonated with me because it's like, I know who it is because I had started watching heroes when I first saw this. So I was like, oh my God, that's fucking Peter Petrelli's older brother. Great. You know? And I started wondering like, what's he been doing? What the hell? So not like knowing that going in and knowing that he probably wasn't like a big, huge name at the time. I think that allowed me to kind of get into it more because it's like, I'm not coming at it as like, well, this was, you know, Johnny Depp or some big star from the 80s. This right. was their vampire movie. It allowed me to kind of slip into it and think of like, well, what would I do? Because there's a family aspect. Like he's literally, it's just him his dad and his, his sister. He's a cowboy. And then you've got all the shit that they do on the road. Really neat vampire effects. The lore behind it or whatever. Like one of my favorite things is, is like, he, talking to Lance, Lance Henderson, and he's like, "How long have you been alive?" He says, "That let's just say I fought in the war. I fought for the South. We lost." And I'm like, "Oh, you get it? Like, even though this is the 80s, this guy's been driving around the fucking desert, you know, hiding from the sun for hundreds of years, oh, at least a hundred years. You know, wow. it's just I don't know. It's a different take on vampires. It's not flashy and stylized, but it's not like." Can't be like i would say lost boys is it isn't flashy and stylized like a, the hunger and it isn't like whatever you want to call fright night because fright night to me is like its own thing too which is like a to me fright night kind of blends that classic vampire with like modern I mean, 80s not size. even
0: from a t- photography standpoint but what it honestly seems like the precursor to is john carpenter's vampires yeah like that to, and obviously that book the source material right it seems like it's more in that vein of like, okay, let's throw them into a modern context and like practically speaking, what's another way they could exist outside of like, stay in your coffin during the day and like all the stuff right. we've seen a billion times before. It's the other thing I like, Fright Night is a great bridge between like, it's a it's essentially a classic vampire setup. It's more of like a hammer horror movie, Oh, yeah, yeah. But it has this 80s teen angle and also 80s level effects. Of right. Just like amazing shit in there. Right. So that one, like, gets takes it in a different direction. And then Lost Boys is, like, to me, the perfect fusion of, like, it's fucking, like, just. It's 80s a, as hell. What a fucking ride. But yeah, it's, it's iconic. It's 80s as hell. But it's like. At the it's same not the time, Goonies. It's, it's one of the best. Because that's yeah, what
1: it was pitched as. It was pitched as, like, this is the Goonies with vampires. Well,
0: and then you have that movie. It's called Monster Squad. Right.
1: You know, um,
0: so and what, even that's a little more hard edge than you would even say Goonies, which I know Goonies. You know, if you go back and watch it, it's like maybe this should have been the first PG thirteen. Does maybe. it predate Temple of Doom? I forget. It's PG, right? Yeah. And it's that there's a lot of shit in that movie. Mm-hmm. Anyways, uh, okay, I will watch Near Dark. Uh, after you leave this evening, okay. after
1: dark. Yeah. Where you want to go next? Nineties, seventies. 2000? You you call it. I call it
0: the 80s. You Let's
1: know. go 70s then.
0: All right. What'd you pick? I pick Black Christmas.
1: Yes. Uh, Which yeah. I could say now I've watched every single one and the first one is the best. <laughs> fuck that piece of shit remake they just came out with.
0: Well, I mean, to me, fuck both of them. To hey, be clear. Hey,
1: there's nothing wrong with 2006. Black
0: Xmas. No. Trash. They're they're all trash. Nobody should. It's nobody Black should Xmas.
1: Remember. It's not Black Christmas. Oh, this new one is God. Black Christmas. You can shit all over it. I don't like that one. Very disappointed by both.
2: Okay.
0: Yeah. Um. I mean, I put it on here because I, A, I was curious how many people would actually vote for it. Right. B, I'll take any excuse to talk about it because every, every time I rewatch this movie, it is one of those quite like Suspiria that just continues to creep further and further up my list. Mm hmm. And at this point, I would say Black Christmas is probably my third favorite horror film of all time. After mm-hmm. The Shining and probably John Carpenter's The Thing. Okay. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe we'll have to do a new definitive ranking at some point of, yeah. of all the classics. But Black Christmas is just, A, I think a straight up like near flawless movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course is a hard one to go back to if you've been raised on the genre for some people because i feel like it hits you one of two ways you either go back and watch it and you're like oh holy shit this is like i mean this, this is, is like the, this is the ur text this is everything all in one like you know every every trope or like reference point in a movie like scream for instance you're like yeah scream breaks it up as like oh yeah, this is a reference to this, this, and this, but it's like, but all of this shit... Is Black Christmas. in Black Christmas. Right, yeah. (laughs) Like, every element of it. So, when I did see it, years removed from my first introduction to Halloween, and again, not that they have to be pitted against each other, but realizing that there was something that predated that, that so thoroughly, like, set the template for how you make these sort of movies, and I know some people will argue... Texas Chainsaw Massacre is the the very first original kernel of the slasher. And some people would even argue further back from that that it's uh, like a Bay of Blood from Mario Bava or something like that. Uh, but Or Psycho. Yes, if you want to take... Yes. But the the modern incarnation of right. what we know as slasher, it's like, yeah, I could see you could say Texas Chainsaw kind of starts it off with like a group of teens... Masked killer, etc. But that movie Doing is shit such, they shouldn't do. Again. Exactly. That... Oh, my God. I just rewatched watched it recently. I just told you. I re-watched it on Shutter recently. My favorite afternoon horror movie. Um, afternoon into evening. Because it's too scary to watch at night. I get it. Um, well, it's just... I mean, most of the movies during the day... It's, well, it's like... But it'll fuck you up even more if you watch it in the day. That's what's great about it. As opposed to most horror movies that play better at night. I think Texas Chainsaw... Like in the middle of the afternoon, on a hot Scary day, shit, dude. it is terrifying. It's not It's not it's still, dude. It, so not to, we can get I, up. It's fine. I know we're talking. I know we're meant to be talking about Black Christmas, but here's my thing with Texas Chainsaw, and again, we will save a lot of this conversation. But Halloween Kills uh-huh. has some very brutal, yes, moments. And that movie came out a week or two ago. Right. Okay. And even as brutal as those things were, there was very, there was rarely a time where I was genuinely like, oh, or ah. Like, none of them really got me because it was more the spectacle of it. Again, mm-hmm. we'll, we'll get into more of how I felt about that. I want to keep it vague. But to go back to, there's only. Three actual, like, on-screen murders in Texas Chainsaw. Right. Technically, the fourth, you never see her die. That would be the one who gets put on the meat hook. Right. And then is in the fridge, and you see her, like, she's still alive Um, mm-hmm. uh, when last dude comes in. But you never see her ultimate fate. You just assume, obviously, she was fucking murdered. Right. Um, but the the initial one. Mm-hmm. is still one of the most visceral and terrifying moments I've ever seen yes and part of it is because it has come after a half hour of nothing much happening but the other thing I had somewhat forgotten the movie just starts like you you're already like your skin is crawling before you even see the first image because of the opening John lyricette narration mm-hmm. and then the uh, the camera you <laughs> know, uh,
2: <laughs> yeah.
0: and just seeing like the little fragments of like body parts and all that shit and that's before you see the very opening shot which is the crazy gravestone with the two bodies and like they essentially look they're melted like the flesh is melting off of them in real time baking in the texas sun super atmospheric like sand flowing through and you whatever and you're like this was made for like not like there's such artistry just to right. like the opening of this, like, oh my god. And it so it starts with this like a presotonia of the weird like the hitchhiker and everything. But yeah, it's the build to what ends up being an extremely quick moment of violence where you don't even really see that much. No. You see a splatter of blood across him and the I mean the kicker is the you but, know, him still twitching. Yeah. Until and again, Great physical acting on the actor's part of mm-hmm. when he comes down with that next blow, and the sound effects is doing a lot of work, but to like go completely limp immediately, and the timing is perfect, mm-hmm. and the transition from that like wriggling to boom, and then pulls him in, door is slammed like you hear the concussion of that, like that, still in less, but in probably like. That ends up being like three or four individual shots or setups. Mm -hmm. Runs less than like 15 seconds. Yeah. And is more impactful and more memorable than anything I just saw in Hellman Kid*. And that goes for also when the last guy gets taken out. And again, it's just he gets hammered to the head as well. But the sound effects, the staging, everything is so visceral. And it's quick and you don't see a lot of shit. But as far as I'm concerned, those are like, you feel like they're happening to you mm-hmm. when they're happening. That's like the movie itself is fucking like knocking you the fuck out. Mm-hmm. And I know part of it is having seen so many things in the intervening years or whatever, But like I had a bit of a numbness to like some of the kills and Halloween kills where I was like, okay, like I see the staging and like oh, that was creative or this or that, but I—I I, none of them got me. You know what I'm saying?
1: Right, because there's a certain element after <sighs> something so real as that that when you start to see like people dropping and dropping and dropping and dropping, you're like, at what point, how real is this? Because I feel like that's the main thing with this. It's the main thing with Black Christmas. And we can argue, even though it's out of the realm of poss- realm of reality, Some of the things with Dawn of the Dead, which was my pick, is that for its time, when it came out, everything was as real as it could be in pushing the envelope. Like, the opening scene for Dawn, when they kick in the door and they blow, shoot somebody's face off, you know, like, blow dude completely away, like... I knew what it was when I saw it. I had seen a lot more since then. So when I'm watching it, I'm like, oh, wow. Like, it almost looks real, but I know it's the 70s. I know what they had to use to make it. So it's not as jarring. But I also think of, like, what if I was a fucking teenager going to see that in the theaters? And that's where the movie starts. Okay, well, I don't trust anything that's coming after this because if this is where we're at to start with. Where the hell am I going to be when the movie's over? And it's the same thing with Texas Chainsaw.
0: I was going to say, and let's continue to talk about openings. Black Christmas. Oh, yeah. The first kill in that, like, sets such an incredible tone. Mm-hmm. And talk about, again, visceral, shocking, like, all of these set piece deaths in that stick with you and are and are memorable. Mm-hmm. But that's not a movie in the same way that with Texas Chainsaw I would say. It's not a movie about the kills. Right. It's not. It's not something where you you go back to those things and want to watch them because it's like, oh my god, that was so much fun. They fucking stick with you. Those are the moments you dread coming up when you're rewatching the movie. You look forward to the, the in between yes. moments, the character stuff, exactly. Mm-hmm. Because case in point with Texas Chainsaw, once once her brother, um, in the wheelchair gets taken out, like. It is a full-on. It's a chase movie for the next half hour. I mean, until she's captured, and then you have the one of the most insane scenes right. in the history of cinema, where you're like, "Is everybody in this scene okay? <laughs> like, how did they shoot this? Can, Are these real? Did people? they all make
1: it to the, the, the to the theatrical you're just premiere? Like, what? Yeah,
0: what's going on here? This is a little too long. This is like, you can cut to something else, right? Oh wait, we're just trapped in here. Okay, so it just oh my god, dude, and okay sorry to get back to my my baby though black christmas my sweet sweet black christmas um it's it's a little Mm hard-edged it's a little cynical yeah which i like about it which feels more like a 90s horror movie almost it almost feels like a post slasher slasher the way some of these characters talk right even though it's like we said the proto slasher in a lot of ways incredible performances all around i think olivia hussey is like one of the most underrated scream queens i don't know that she did much other horror i'm honestly not aware but um her performance as chris in this is just like incredible genuine like fear and, uh, I, again i feel like a lot of people still have not seen it it's Probably. readily available on Shudder right now you can find it out there
1: Give them the year so that they don't get confused.
0: Black Christmas, 1976. Two years prior to Halloween, two years after Texas Chainsaw Massacre. These are are the building blocks, if you will. Yes. TCM into Black Christmas, into Halloween. But there's a climactic scene with, again, this killer who... I love it. And, again, we... We'll get to that episode. I don't know why I want to keep framing everything through Halloween kills and what I didn't like. That. Okay, but I, I'm going to stop doing that. But I love that in Black Christmas, we have a killer who we never fully, we never see full on. Mm-hmm. We're either in the POV of, or we get these very obscured, like glances at. Mm -hmm. i think the most we ever really get is the eyeball scene which is fucking terrifying when you see it through that crack so many effective set pieces in that movie and a genuine and it also manages to have the genuine mystery factor of like well who done it who done the crime? like we got to figure this out and everybody's a suspect and then you got the cops working on it and like the the practical like procedural elements of like It's the 70s. Here's how we trace a call. Here's how we, like, relay things. Here's how we bug a phone and, like, just all of this shit. And then also I feel like very, you know, we think of the slasher genre as mainly, you you know, especially 80s-wise, mainly focused on teens. Sometimes we'd go into college, but, like, it's a high school thing in a lot of cases with a lot of these. And so the idea that it was, like... It's college, it's this music conservatory, and it's the 70s, so like everybody looks a little older than they actually are, anyways. But the idea that like these are not like they're still, they don't feel like kids because they feel like young adults, like young professionals, like about to start like their professional career sort of thing. And it's a music, well, there's a music conservatory there. They're not all music students, right? But uh, Kier Doulet is. Anyways. And yeah it it takes it has a, a fantastic opening that's incredibly unsettling that sets the tone and then it's another one of those that is just content to like let's just creep for a little bit yeah let's just like we'll get to know some of these characters and there'll be this creeping tension but we can work in some comedy too I think pound for pound not that we have to make them face off I know you guys have varying opinions on this but I think um it's got more, it's definitely got more laughs than Halloween 78 mm-hmm um juxtaposed with again some incredibly unselling like bone-chilling moments and and kills and tension but again it's also a little more it's a little more cynical it's a little more mean mm-hmm. than Halloween 78 is and i don't know if that's what i gravitate towards in it the the fact that there was never a sequel the fact that there was never an attempt to explain here's who this person i mean Black Xmas basically—that's part of my whole issue—is like it gives you this whole backstory to set you up with this killer, and then it, like it tries to have a twist on top of it, but it all, in my mind, kind of comes to nothing, and I had no investment in it. I way prefer the original where we we don't know anything about this person. Is it multiple personalities? Like, what's going on with the multiple voices? Where are these voices coming from? How do they not hear them in the house if they're, like, in the same vicinity? Some of the, like, volume... Just all of it just is constantly playing a trick on you. And because it has no clear resolution, and it just leaves it on that note, and it never got touched after that. We never had a movie like Halloween two in the 80s that literally was like, Hey, remember the most unsettling ending? possibly ever where evil is just lurking in the fucking suburbs and all you hear is his breathing you don't know where he is uh well here he is again yeah <laughs> and uh now he's gonna kill some more people right like because it Cause, never happened you guys that, all
1: went to friday the 13th and now we got to do this so you yeah. know, you're welcome you did this to yourself yeah yeah
0: <laughs> talk about and you know Respect to Halloween Kills for coming in here for all the Friday the 13th fans who are like, fuck all these rights issues. We just want a sequel. And they're like, hey, we got you. We We got got you. We'll basically just turn Michael into Jason for you guys. Don't fucking worry about it. Yeah. More on that in a future episode.
1: Hopefully we didn't write ourselves into a hole we can't get out of. Yeah, We'll see what happens. A whole weekend. Let's get call, call the Game of Thrones guys and see if we can figure this thing out. Uh, yeah, <laughs> get Penny off and games. The <laughs> they know how to. They not need to get up. Woodward and Bernstein in here and get those two guys to make a to make the third one. That would be dope. Oh my god! Every time you say it, I Benson and, and Moorhead. Would, I know every it's Benson time you and Moorhead. say it, I can barely remember their names. <laughs> I did. I did show. Although Bex,
0: they should play Woodward and Bernstein in a you know, in a new version of All the President's Men that also involves time travel and some sort of time distillation. Where like there's their a, previous, yes, three and,
1: and the time the 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 time thi- yeah, the time thing that's after them is a complete POV shot, and you never know who the time guy is that's lurking for them. We get some Black Christmas in there. We get. And the yeah. whole thing is they're trying to stop a zombie apocalypse that could happen, you know, two years later, 1978. Yeah. Yeah. Dawn of the Dead, Dawn. 1978. Um, Sequel to 1968's Night of the Living Dead. Dead. <laughs> yes. Um,
0: There are very few movies that straight up, I mean, we're talking, we're kind of talking about movies that started a genre, contributed to what we think of the tenets of a genre. Mm-hmm. But there are very few movies that you can point to that are literally like, that didn't start a genre. That started an entire subculture, an right. entire like movement in right. cinema, comic books, radio. like you know, Fucking name a medium that basically the influence of Night of the Living Dead did not stretch to itself. Right. It's impossible.
1: Mm-hmm. Because I think it's also very, it's very rare in a in a subgenre genre that someone can come in and say, "I'm gonna be the alpha omega," and I'm gonna give you a sleeper that you don't know you really love. Because I did rewatch Day, and Day is still by far like slowly becoming better and better every time I watch it. But to watch oh, Night, I'm gonna,
0: I'm gonna give it a spin.
1: Yeah, a day or you should. Day. Um, but to watch night to go from night to dawn, I mean it has to be I equate that if I'm a kid and i know what Night of Living Dead is, it's wild. It's revolutionary. There's a black guy that's the hero and then what happens to him and then I start out and it's like, Okay, this is that guy again I would have to imagine that it's the way I felt watching The Zack Snyder remake in 2004 Where I was like I know what this is Let's just all right, And to be enthralled and just Floored about like holy shit This guy you know Back when he like made good movies It was crazy you know Somebody get this guy Everywhere and then it's like Somebody heard me and I was like they didn't know I was like I'm just kidding like maybe one or two others And that's it Um, But just to, like i said to start out with like you know you're and it's it's one of my favorite things because not a lot of things movies do this some of the ones i've watched recently it is really bothering me that you have like one your heel is out of your sock you look like a straight up hobo like do you need a bindle or do you need to catch the next train christopher lloyd do you need to get out of do, do you even wonder if they lock their doors that's a scary moment anyway um so it i thought you were gonna do it I Thought you're gonna do the line um so to start out with the, but they don't even lock their doors mr wilson okay um yeah to sorry
0: st- sorry for my socks <laughs> do my
1: feet stink no i i don't even wear socks so like i notice when people <laughs> who wear socks have holes in them it's weird um
0: Thanks for so, calling me out on the pod. It's okay. Now mom's gonna know I got holes in my socks. She'll be
1: like, Noah, do you need do you need <laughs> to <It's just, laughs> hey, this Christmas. You're, you're welcome. Anyway, um, to start out with Dawn to be and it I, what was I saying, um not a lot of movies do this and I love it. Dawn is essentially we're about we're about even. Like, there's about as many humans as there are zombies, quote unquote, in the world right. at the same time. Yeah. And again, it is the the only, only the first time in the series that it's ever they're ever referenced as zombies and technically what i did learn in some research uh about it was that technically the children that attack him at the the, the little pit stop they make with the helicopter it's the first time that like zombies actually break camp and run like it hadn't really been done before they've been just a slow walk so it's not something that Zack snyder invented so it actually happened with george romero
0: did you re-watch this one recently no
1: i want to that's why i've gotten okay i need to watch All the different versions of that, that I have on that black box.
0: Yeah, then I don't know if you'll be able to answer my question. So, I, for shits and giggles, Uh um, and also because I'd never seen it, and because I figured it would be a way to at least intrigue Veronica more into watching it because she didn't seem like super amped on it, not not crazy about zombies in general. Doesn't particularly think they're scary, Mm -hmm. but notably the european cut Mm -hmm. which is in the box that you gave me which i never checked out before but i was sitting there i'm like which one do i want to watch i was like i've seen what i think which is the theatrical version which he essentially calls the director's cut right um which is unrated and everything i was like that's the one i have seen a bunch of times about two hours and seven minutes Mm -hmm. like but there's there's this european cut on here I start reading the description. I'm like, edited by producer Dario Argento. I was he, like, he I can to get produce- into that. And then here's the kicker featuring more <laughs> extended score by mm-hmm. Goblin, yes, who did all the music for Deep Red and Suspiria. Mm-hmm. Who I f- like the Suspiria score is one of my favorite horror scores of all time.
1: That was the deal to get it made. He agreed to. He had Romero come over to Italy and stay in Italy and bang the script out, and he agreed to help finance it and distribute it if he was allowed to do whatever cuts he wanted to to the European release. And um, he also had, like, say over the soundtrack. So Romero knew the entire time he was making it, well, I've got this Goblin score I can use, and I've got this other score I could use. So there's why that's like in the, the theatrical that it releases, there's bits and pieces of everything. Because he knew he had an entire, basically yeah. new soundtrack he could use that was gun- was already done for the European cut anyway. But yeah, that was the whole thing. Argento was like, yeah, dude, come over here. Let me so- <laughs> let me put it together for Europe and make some more music cuts. But you can do the whole thing, bro. Just do what you want. Make your movie.
0: Rewatching it. Mm-hmm. As the European cut, as the Argento cut, if you will, mm-hmm. completely different experience. Really, all of the, the, the pathos, the tragedy, like the, the depths of scenes like you're talking about with the kids, for instance. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I wanted to immediately go and pop on the Romero version because I don't remember it being chopped up like this. Mm-hmm. Um, because when those kids are killed, it's like. It's crazy and it's heightened and also pretty much any time they are taking on zombies, the goblin score is just blasting. And it is the most like just bah,
2: bah, da, 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 like
0: crazy shit you've ever heard in some huh. sequences where it like it, the scene where they're, they're changing the cars out right. and everything and Peter gets bit. Right. That moment is like it, the whole build buildup intention of that is completely drained. Like. It is the rock and roll version of Dawn of the Dead. Like it is amped up for maximum. Just like we're just fucking rolling, dude. And like it breezes over a little. The as far as I could, as best as I could remember, the main things that were absent from it were like some of the middle section of Mm -hmm. more just character building, right? Which is what makes the fucking Romero version so great. But yes i love goblin and this was a blast watching it this way hmm. but it fundamentally does change the tone right of the movie and it's like if you watch the original romero of course you still get some of that amazing goblin score the intro that whole like open before you get into the the swat raid sequence in the house which is just Completely like gonzo batshit. Perfect example when they go down and have to slaughter all of those people who right. are kept up in the room, and they're like, "Hey, we'd like you guys to go in and deal with it if if you can." And they go down there like the score that is over that makes it like, "Oh, this is an action set piece, right? This is wild. Look at all these effects." As opposed to, "Oh fuck, they're like they just have to straight up go down here and just murder." Like as far as they know, like thirty people. That they're still, they
1: don't quite understand what this is yet, and blah, blah, blah. They're squatters. Why aren't they getting me out of there? Yeah. Hey, man, Foley's so, going ape shit.
0: Yeah, but it's, it's a really interesting study, and I, I kind of finally appreciated like oh that's why you do a box set like this because mm-hmm. these cuts are really do fundamentally change the movie you're watching so it is kind of like pick and choose what vibe you want to go with if you don't want the heaviness right. of dawn of the dead if, if you, you just don't want to fun action it, yeah if tactic. you don't want to think about it too much and you just want like a you know blast of adrenaline it essentially vaguely italian like action mm-hmm. horror movie then you throw on the argento cut um uh, I mean, I vastly prefer the original Romero. Yeah. I can tell you that, but it was a fun. Diver- and then, of course, there's the extended cut as well, which I don't know if I, I may have watched like when you first got it. But- yeah, I feel like I watched. But, yeah, that I know first. I had never done the European cut, and I'm glad. I'm glad I did at this point. Yeah. But probably best that we weren't doing it for a full-on review because, like, yeah, I we there probably would have been moments where I'm like, but yeah, and then this thing happened because some of them were just like little edit editing choices right. he made that were very different. One thing I did note, um, and this is kind of piggybacking off of Texas Chainsaw. rewatched them very close together, by the way, but mm-hmm. Texas Chainsaw has like some of the most naturalistic, fantastic performances mm-hmm. seen. And I just like, I was like, there's so many tiny little moments that I just fucking love that, like continue to be rewarding to go back to, but so lived in, so naturalistic. But Dawn really, really popped for me this time, even in the the Argento cut, that those four those four people Mm -hmm. Ken Forey in particular, it's like in a just world, he would have been up for like best actor for that. Yeah. He's incredible in that Mm -hmm. movie. I particularly thinking about the scene where like Peter is basically like, hey, um, I know I'm about to turn, but, like, I'm going to try not to come back. Mm -hmm. Like, so don't kill me until you're absolutely sure. sure. it's me, yeah. And there's a little moment where, like, he yells at Kid 4 to, like, get his attention again to, like, hey, agree to this or whatever. And you see Kid 4 just, like, processing all this. And the way he, like, gathers that and then responds to him, I can't even, like, do it justice. But there's so many, like, tiny... Little elegant, perfect moments, and like, but everybody's good in there. Even Flyboy, who I think in earlier watches when I was younger, I was just like, oh, he's kind of the square or whatever. But I guess he kind of steps up towards he, the end. Well, see, that's, but like, that's the thing about he's the whole reason they all so he,
1: dialed in. The whole reason he got it was because everybody that played that character was trying to be like a cool, brooding action guy, and he was just like chill, calm, like the coolest dude, cool, cool as and a cucumber. That's, that's one of the coolest things what, about yeah. that
0: character is. Throughout the entire movie, it's and it's especially as Peter starts to like kind of go stir crazy and loses shit, which right. leads to him getting bit and all of that. Right, because any other movie, I'm sorry, but your blonde haired, blue eyed cop figure mm-hmm. would be your traditional hero, right. and of course, he's the one who loses his shit. Flyboy, who you think would also maybe be oh the weirdo who like can't take it, can't hack it, right? And he loses it or like puts them in jeopardy or the woman loses her shit. And she, she's fucking fantastic as well.
1: She and told she, Romero, he said, scream. And she said, look, this character would not scream. And she would fight zombies on her own. He never asked her to scream again.
0: Hell yeah. When she has that moment where she's like, hey,
1: uh, I know y'all know
0: I'm pregnant now, but I didn't want you to find out like this. I don't want you to treat me any different. And basically, I'm going to have a fucking say in what we do here. I'm not going to be your den mother. I'm mm-hmm. not gonna like cook and clean for you right. guys. This is the end of the world. Fuck like gender norms, etc. Right. I'm on equal footing with y'all, and yeah, I want to learn to shoot. Sorry, I fucked up, but also I love that moment because they're mad at her initially for like, oh, you let one back in here and everything. Mm-hmm. And Ken Forey's like, and if you're gonna do it, you know, you're gonna need to learn to shoot. And then she gets on fly. I forget Flyboy's name, but she's just like yeah and uh, next time don't leave me up here without a gun because he's the one who took the rifle the rifle right. that was left with them. he wanted to go down there right. and check shit out and kind of be a hero himself and he's the one who left her unarmed and she's basically like fuck you dude like I could have handled myself yeah, but I didn't have any means up here left me with a bunch of boxes of food like what am I yeah. supposed to do do so, you
1: know what the original ending was supposed to be no I
0: don't I don't think I do
1: Ken, for he was supposed to, um, he was supposed to get bitten, and she was like in the helicopter and just decided to like step out and let her head get cut off. It Jesus was, Christ, yeah, that would sucked. He was like, and, it, and he said, like they, 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 there's back and forth claims because Romero's like, yeah, that was it, but we never shot it, and Savini and them were like, we think we did, we don't know, but they definitely shot it
0: in the daylight sequence when they stopped at refuel, right? That's right. the head split. But lit. they
1: they made a bust for her. Mm-hmm. And when they didn't, Savini says they didn't because he knows that he took that and turned it into one of the African-Americans that gets killed in the opener. He made her bust up to look like oh, that. Okay. He knows that's what he used for that one. That So he doesn't remember them doing one of her... Basically, doing the same thing, stepping up and letting the blade get her. But Romero said, had said, like, over the time, like, I like these people and I don't want to, like, we need to have a good, hopeful ending. Like, I don't want to just, it'd be too bleak and terrible if just everybody died. Yeah. You know? So, again, and you have, you know, the destruction of like modern breakdown of society what that means, the consumerism part of it with the mall. Then you have the marauders and the bike gang that came through, which I think were actually like real pagans. Again,
0: continuing to establish the kind of classic trope, which he gets into in Night as well, which is like, at the end of the day, the biggest threat is not the zombies, it's other people. It's always going to be other people Mm -hmm. and what the breakdown of society does to human relations, essentially.
1: And one thing I did really like, doing research about it, which I'll have to look for this time, is one of the SWAT officers is um, the same actor who plays Colonel Rhodes in, or Lieutenant Rhodes in, um, the the one who actually does go batshit crazy, the last soldier to die in um Day of the Dead, like the one who takes over. And so people have put it together like, oh yeah, he was a, he was fucking, you know, he was a, a cop, he was a Philly cop or whatever, and then like, you know, he must have, was a part-time reservist so that's why he got put down here in Florida so that's like oh that's the link between the yeah. two so I'm gonna have to look for it this time when I watch it but allegedly he was in that oh
0: yeah I'm sorry and I forgot earlier but yeah the guy who plays Peter has like one of my fa- favorite line deliveries and it's when they're doing the the truck scene and he's kind of like zoned out and kept for he's like you good and he's like we got this man we got this by the ass yeah <laughs> like Okay, he's definitely dead. <laughs> You're yeah. just like,
1: yeah, famous last words, dude. Yeah. All right. Uh, yeah, that's just like saying I'm. I got five days of retirement. Okay, exactly. Sure. Yeah, we got this by the ass. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, great stuff. All
0: I love the like day glow blood, and I love that like. I I was gonna say the the sheer physical commitment
1: of like just straight up extras. Okay. Mm-hmm.
0: People who probably were getting paid in lunch. They got know? a
1: dollar, a donut and a t-shirt. That was it.
0: That's awesome. Yeah. There's one highlight zombie that I spotted this time and I've noticed him before, Mm-hmm. but it is an absolutely incredible, um, physical stunt. Like where you sit there and watch it and you're like, is, is that dude? Okay. <laughs> Did they really shoot that dude? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, It's in the climax. You know, the marauders have come inside. It's pure chaos. There's a cluster of them down by the fountain. Mm -hmm. There's a very large gentleman in a bathing suit. (laughs) Shirt off. Yes. Do you remember this? Yes. (laughs) He gets pegged in the head. And the way that he goes lifeless and slumps into this fountain is so perfect and realistic looking. That I rewound it back like five times where I was like, what a... I was like, you could... That that had to be a one-take one, one take wonder. Like, there's no... It's so perfect. Mm-hmm. And then... I mean, but throughout the movie, I just... In the initial... The chaos of the the raid sequence in the opening... I just well, you could literally. A, I was thinking about like what it would be like to be a zombie in this movie before you've had like you know, right, a ton of things to like work and go off of. But I was just like, however he was directing them, the sheer commitment on most people's part and like people getting like super into just like I'm fucking dead, like yeah, because his direction was just be dead. I'm pure instinct. That was and the way that people interpreted that, it's just like. There's not a lot of people slacking off, you know, sometimes you'll like you, you spot an extra kind of take you out of it or whatever. Mm -hmm. And I just thought it was amazing that for this, like, you know, relatively low budget seventies exploitation movie that like everybody in these mass crowd scenes. And also I was just like, dude, the heat, sorry, I, I, I hate to keep harping on it. The the controlled or like staged chaos of that opening where the newsroom is breaking down Mm -hmm. part of it's the sound design, the editing and like the, but every extra is just like they're generating that feel of like, Oh, this is actual chaos. The chaos of that opening raid with all the civilians and then, Oh, hey! Don't open that door! Oh shit! There's definitely more zombies in there. Mm-hmm. The uh, husband biting the wife in the neck—that like you're just you're full on just like losing it at that point. Um, he does a great job of making you feel like pure chaos.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Halloween Kills with a an enormous <laughs> and a much bigger budget uh-huh. and this and these huge crowd scenes and like all the stuff at the hospital. And I just it felt so just like stagey and forced and like unnatural and like just like it was it was tried <laughs> evil dies tonight. I'm sorry. Yeah. But like it wanted to be like chaos, but it just felt like stage chaos. It didn't it didn't feel organic. I don't I don't know. Yeah, no, I get what I'm you're just saying. Like yeah, I don't know. I was just super impressed by it but particularly the performances in that one i think are like uncommonly good for a horror movie in general Mm -hmm. but particularly of that era i just i think they're absolutely fabulous i wish i wish there was more ken i mean i know he's over the years he's he's popped up and stuff namely one that we'll get to in a little bit i was gonna ask
1: you if you if you had seen from beyond
0: He I did not you told me he's in that. Now no no no. I need to.
1: Yeah, it's good. Okay. Jeffrey Jeffrey Combs. Combs. I feel like he's just he has to have some kind of like descendants of like Lovecraft has to be like a great uncle or something. Cause he's like in every fucking Lovecraft thing. Well, that's
0: also because most of them are directed by Stuart. I think it's more he and Stuart Gordon have a thing. Right. (laughs) And Stuart Gordon really likes HP Lovecraft and he likes to cast Jeffrey Combs. And it's because, I mean, because Reanimator's like still one of the biggest cult movies of all time, he'll always, mm-hmm. anytime they're going to do one, they obviously are like, oh yeah, let's get, what's Jeffrey up to?
1: Isn't Necronomicon a Lovecraft thing and he plays Lovecraft in a, in a library? I
0: have not seen that. I remember the cover of it.
1: Me too. I don't know. Did you watch any of In Search of Darkness 2?
0: Oh, no, I haven't.
1: Oh, dude, me and Beck spent one Sunday just going down the road. So rabbit is hole. it
0: all. What's the deal with that
1: one? It's more focused on
0: the effects, Everything.
1: They um, do it they take a break with uh Nancy Allen, they take a break with the girl who was in um It's the basically Return just elongated
0: segments from like stuff.
1: They still pick out movies and stuff, still plenty of talking heads, but then they will they, they'll break and be like like the woman who was in Return to Living Dead and these other ones that like she was the one that danced naked or whatever, she goes into like, you know, this thing where she talks about like how to stay fit for like being a, a scantily clad eighties, you mm-hmm. know, final girl. Um she's like and then you know I did do like a I did do a workout video for this specific thing for how to survive a <laughs> horror movie. And they have the shots of it and stuff. And she's talking about like some big director's wife who's like helping them choreograph it in their backyard pool in Hollywood and shit. Oh, and then they go into Nancy Allen talking about her roles and how like, you know, she got a lot of you know, being on the set with Jack Nicholson on some film, how that like be doing something always meant something to her. So when she was in scene, she was not just like kind of there, just, she would always be trying to do and move because that was like what she had to work with was her face and her, you know, her body language. It's really good. There's a lot of gems in there. I'm like, Oh shit, I forgot about that one. There's a lot of them. that are like, Oh, I totally remember that box art, but I've never seen it. I have to go check it out now. Like, I, do you remember alone in the dark? The video
0: game adaptation. There's
1: an Alone in the Dark movie in the eighties, and it's literally oh. just a bunch of great old actors who are playing like serial killers that are all in one house that these people stumble upon. Oh shit! I don't know their names of them. I have to look okay, them up. Okay, don't tell me. It's a, great. You should definitely check the documentary. Now.
0: I the description of it made it sound like it was. Ba- it sounded like bonus features
1: almost. No, dude, it's one. four okay. fucking more hours of just okay. the same great well. shit. You'll love it. I promise. You should definitely just put it on. Well, I was
0: going to do Near Dark, but now I kind of want to start that. Yeah. Um, okay. I will definitely check that out. So, we've done...
1: The 80s and the 70s. 70s. You want to do 90s and 2000s or 2000s and 90s? We'll do 90s and 2000s. All right.
0: Uh, what was your pick for the 90s? Remind everyone. Candyman. And we can't, Candyman. We we did a fairly...
1: We did a lengthy thing on the remake. Right. Sequel-ish thing.
0: And I feel like a lot of that, from my perspective, was framed around, I really loved the original. The original and, is great. And, and I
1: appreciate the original. Yes. Having watched it, having watched the remake first, or the sequel, resequel, whatever you want to call it, first, watching the original... So you had could, never seen it? No.
0: Up to this point.
1: What I saw was on Boogeyman. (laughs) was literally just that scene. So, like, watching it and being like, this totally rates. Like, I pointed out to Bex, I was like, this baby here at the end? I was like, yeah. She's like, did you catch this? She goes, yeah. I was like, you know that's. She's like, yeah, no, I got it. I was like, okay, as long as you know that that's Homeboy from the new one, we're good. You know? And then just the the thing that I love that it had that the new one didn't, but was kind of getting there was the, Oh, you don't believe me, Helen. Well, I'm going to make sure that you know who I am. I'm going to frame you for everybody's murder. Yeah. And probably one of the like, most like satisfying enders where, you know, what happens to Helen happened? She's gone. But the very end where, um,
0: John Connor's foster father yeah his yeah Todd
1: shitty fucking Todd the foster father
0: who not plays my a professor dad Todd she, or excuse me she's not my, my mother
1: Todd <laughs> I just love that Jeanette Goldstein again here we go she's like your foster parents are dead yeah <laughs> what's the dog's name Max hey Janelle what's wrong with Wolfie <laughs> Wolfie's fine honey like, your foster parents are fucking robot is, is, is smart as, as fuck, shit dude. okay yeah um but yeah fucking he somehow he's a professor whatever and um yeah he gets he gets his comeuppance at the very end which is just brutal brutal and of course it bl- it's gonna totally blame the fucking student chick that you know was he was fucking on the side yeah so you know um love virginia madsen i love tony ton i i wish he was in everything
0: Again, that was my biggest yeah. issue with the new ones. But, I mean, it definitely was times. him at the
1: end. So, I mean, if he wants... I mean, I'll tell you this, Noah. I didn't see Farewell to the Flesh, but I did watch Day of the Dead. Like, Candyman 3, Day of the Dead. Okay. So, it's it's definitely, like, what it's supposed to be as, like, a 90s, you know, straight-to-DVD sequel with some big-titty blonde that we know was a playmate. And, right, you know... Definitely is going to get naked halfway through it Yeah, for some you're amount like, of time.
0: Is this a Cinemax right. softcore movie
1: right. or is this Candyman 3? Right. I'm not quite sure. Uh, and even if even if it is Cinemax softcore, can we get something going on with the hook and the naked chick at the same time, please? <laughs> can we incorporate That's what, in that's what these we're here things? for. Yes.
0: <laughs> this is doing something for somebody. Yes. Uh Yeah, that may, I mean talking about the framing of the murder, when when you get the centerpiece, like there's been a dog, it's been decapitated. Yes, oh my there's god, There's this dude. bathroom. The baby is missing. Yes. like all of that. The first time around, you're just like, oh, oh, fuck. And it is. I mean, that movie does not. And my thing hold is like, back.
1: why the fuck did you pick up the weapon? <laughs> right. Yes. Like again, I get that. Like. If you get up and there's blood and you see a weapon, you might think, I need to arm myself because whoever's in here is in here and they're going to, you know, they're going to, they could come at me. But like in my true crime brain, I'm like, don't fucking touch nothing. Make sure your hair follicles are gone. If you can get out the front door without opening it with your hands, don't get your wrist going. Get a, get a nap, get an open, get the fuck out of there. Yeah. And that's in the (laughs) nineties. Nowadays, like good God, they're going to know you did it regardless. Because to me, that's the biggest fear overall. Like, that's my biggest fear on the planet.
0: Is being framed for murder.
1: No, being <laughs> accused, yes, framed for murder. But, like, there being so much evidence that looks like I did it, that mm-hmm. some piece of shit lawyer can convince 12 people to say, yeah, you did, yeah. without a fucking shred of proof. No physical evidence. Circumstantial. Not like, well, we did find your hair there. Or well, we did find your fingerprints. Okay. Compelling. But fingerprints can't tell you how you don't know how long they've been there. I could have been in that apartment twenty years ago. You never know. You know, hair follicle, same thing. DNA, different story. But that is my biggest fear is like and I, that that it speaks to the same thing that I just talked about with like the girl coming home realizing, Oh, your uncle is wearing your dad as a skin suit. The pair the just utter like Oh, fuck, man, like There's no, there just does not get any better. There was a glimmer of hope that everything might be okay. The only difference is in this one, it's like, just don't fucking say this guy's name, man. That's what he wants you to do because he wants you to remember, but you, you can forget about it. You can discredit him all day long. As long as you don't fucking say his name, he doesn't care. Like that's the brilliance of it. And just the utter, like the idea that one, she gets to be like, they let her out like okay well maybe you didn't do it wielding a knife the dog and then her best friend bites it the same way and it's like utterly hopeless because yeah. how the fuck can you that to me has got to be like one physically one of the most like i can't imagine these people who like we all know have spent years in a system that has just beat them down and like oh they finally get out and it's like hey we're sorry man we, yeah, is it, it's crazy that just somebody saying you did it and us not, not actually physically proven you did. Sorry, we took 20 years of your life. No, we don't really have that much money for you. Oh, you want millions? Uh, we we can give you like, you know, $500 a day for every day. It's like some not even $100,000 for yeah. fucking years taken from someone. And that's the weird thing I've always talked about going back into horror is like, end of the day, you know, say that you live in Haddonfield in Halloween Kills and you live... The fucking the mortgage company still wants their their fucking payment if you're written from somebody they still want their rent on you know november 1st well, yeah. well you know michael myers killed all these people in this tough shit dude you can pay your rent you're <laughs> gonna get kicked out in 30 days what the fuck are you gonna do you know it's like everybody in that hospital has to get up and, go and work the next day you know why because evil dies tonight
0: no because halloween ends
1: <laughs> right exactly yeah if evil dies tonight they would really just go and like you know, all that would just go and they take down like the credit card companies or the student loan people. That that's what that's what would really happen.
0: Have you have you seen one of the recent memes where it's
1: <laughs> Is it the one Patrick sent? What's that? The one Patrick
0: sent? Oh, I may not have seen it, but it's it's AMH from uh sixteen candles and it's like I, I need you I need you to let me borrow your baseball bat because evil die. it's The you know I need to let you borrow your underwear. Yeah. from sixty candles, but it's like I need you to let me borrow your baseball bat because evil dies tonight.
1: Patrick sent one that was like it was Laurie Strode. It's like wait, you've never died, and it was Nev Campbell being like She's nope, like, never, no. nope, yeah, never. Yeah,
0: love that. because speaking that, of what,
1: that, scream trailer, bro.
0: So. I'm excited because Heck I'm excited. Yeah. But, I mean, I'll be honest. I mean, trailer was fine. The tra- the trailer was not like a, uh, what sh- what shall I compare Season it to? Season 2 of
1: Stranger Things trailer? For sure. For sure. Tell, me, tell me that's not the best fucking trailer. That thriller intro, fucking Steve at the party, fucking Billy with the shirt off going crazy at the party. And you're like... What are we doing? This ain't season one. We're amping this motherfucker up. Thriller's playing. These kids are in Ghostbusters outfits. Tell me that's not the best fucking trailer for something in a long time. Or Ghostbusters. You know what, dude? Me and Bex talked about this. We both got... Every time we watch that Ghostbusters trailer, we get, like, really teared up. Like, really emotional. Like, this is amazing. Like, we can't imagine. We're just stoked. Okay. Mom said it, too. So, you know. All right. I hope it's decent. It doesn't matter to me. It'll just... The just, nostalgia you know, the, factor and like... Well, there you go.
0: What? No, it's because... Do I know, Do I know that, what? The I mean, the buzz on it is that it's utter trash. That it is like horrible. Um, but specifically for the reasons that you're saying that you're probably going to enjoy it. Um, and then the current... I mean... Part of the discourse and I haven't I mean I pretty much tried to fucking stay out of it When we had to have all this controversy The last time they made a Ghostbusters movie Uh huh um, But with this one I I guess here's my thing dude And a lot of people brought this up This is not a new thought Or anything When we watched Ghostbusters when we were kids, mm-hmm. did you like, did you want to be a Ghostbuster yourself, or did you want to be Peter Venkman, Egon Spangler, like,
1: I wanted to be Zedmore.
0: When you wanted to be Winston Zedmore,
1: okay, but... Actually, no. I wanted Ray Stance that? because I wanted a ghost blowjob. That's why. Do you
0: see what I'm? Do you see what I'm saying, though? Right. We were a bunch of kids watching a movie made by a bunch of thirty year olds. Uh huh. It's just a bunch of comedy dudes, a bunch of like improv comedy dudes, and I have said this many times before. If you go back and watch the original Ghostbusters, it is one of the weirdest fucking movies to become.
1: It's like Dan Aykroyd.
0: A phenomenon, like. It is a fundamentally very strange film. Right. In the way that it's written, in the way that it's performed, and the only thing that like kind of saves it by the skin of its teeth and like is the magic of it is having the Bill Murray character there to undercut everything and also have the brilliant line deliveries of Harold Ramis and the like whole other next level brilliance of Rick Moranis in that movie. Like Those are the things, it's just all this magic stew that just happened to coalesce together. Right. Okay? So, (laughs) what is this need now with Afterlife to, like, pass it on to the kids? And, like, I get that it's, like, it's Egon's kids and, like, Harold Ramis has passed on and, like, Okay, Ivan Reitman's not directing it. Jason Reitman is, so we're trying to do, like, a family thing and, like, all this shit. But, like, but what the fuck does that have to do with Ghostbusters? What does it have to do with the original kernel of, like, what made that work? Which is part of why I had such an issue with people flipping out over the female Ghostbusters. Because I was like, okay, it's ladies now. Like, who the fuck cares? Whatever. And what I kind of appreciated about that movie, which I don't think is like flawless or like incredible or anything, but I enjoyed well enough when I saw it in the theater. Thought I had some good laughs in it. Was it did not? It was not trying to like. Ma- it was not trying to like hit all of the beats of the original. Mm-hmm. It felt like a Ghostbusters movie. Right. Here's our her team. Here's our and like regardless of what you thought of the villain or the setup or any of that, like. Honestly, who gives a shit? You it. I would say it's on the same level as Vigo the Carpathian and the second one, which I fucking love. But like, it's inconsequential. It's about the interplay and the interaction or whatever. But now making it essentially Stranger Things with with Ghostbusters in it, and like it's kid centric, it's nostalgia based for the adult, I guess, of art our generation and people who also grew up on it, but like, I just feel like it's so far removed now. It's, it feels like a movie that is about the nostalgia for Ghostbusters, not just like what is good or what was enjoyable or what made the original Ghostbusters Ghostbusters. I get none of that from the trailer. Mm-hmm. Personally. Yeah, but the I thing that, that you're that, talking I about... I say that, loving Paul Rudd, mm-hmm. loving Carrie Coon, and when... When fucking Dan Aykroyd picks up the phone at the end of that trailer, like I'm gonna see it. Yeah. But I'm just I the I mean I'm happy for you guys, but I am not like I'm I I did not get emotional watching that trailer not one bit because to me it just like it's not gonna feel like Ghostbusters it's not they're never gonna make a movie like the sheer spectacle of this one some of the action set pieces you see in the trailer like. The other, the original builds to and has, you know, again, insane effects for the time. Mm-hmm. But that's not like what makes the movie is the fucking sheer weirdness and like the magic chemistry of those fucking four guys. Like, that's what it is.
1: So you're saying we don't have those four guys anymore, just put it to bed? I mean, or just make another one without anything relative. Just call it Ghostbusters, like like the female one that nobody liked. <laughs> nobody liked. It. I've never seen it. I don't think it's a good. I'm the same way. It's like who gives a shit? They're ladies. If they all have a good chemistry, then it'll work. My thing with Dude, that is like I don't know. I don't know. I've never seen it. I'm not going to talk about it. If it has a chemistry, it's fun. It's la, good. Is it's it everybody not, from Bridesmaids all over again?
0: Not everybody, but, but it, most of them. It's Melissa McCarthy, uh-huh. Kristen Wiig.
1: That's it. Nobody else from Bridesmaid is in it besides them. Not that I'm aware of. It. Right, okay. Like, and again, females don't have to, like, if if they all work and they all gel and they, they have comedic timing with each other and it's good, okay, great, it's, a good, it's good. It's these core people, they happen to be wearing Ghostbuster stuff and doing Ghostbuster shit and that's it. Did that movie relate anything to the old Was there any Dan Aykroyd, any Ernie Hudson, any... Yeah. They were all in it.
0: Bill Murray was in it. Uh-huh. I believe Ackroyd makes cameo. Obviously, the late great Harold Ramis was not able to. Right. And I cannot... I feel like there was an Ernie Hudson moment, but I honestly can't remember. And what, is, what does but Bill Murray do? He, that was the thing with this one. They were all playing different characters. They weren't playing... That's the other thing I liked about it, weirdly, was like, they didn't try and shoehorn, okay, well, now we got to get the old Ghostbusters
1: back together. So Bill Murray wasn't Pete Bateman. He was just some other dude.
0: Okay. Yeah, they were all just random cameos. They just happened to be in the movie, which I kind of liked. Yeah. But, anyways, I just. And I. I don't know. To me, all it feels like is like we need. If we want to keep this intellectual property alive and going, we need kids to like it again. And we can't necessarily rely on just like. The strength of the original movies and their parents introducing them to it. Right. So we've got to throw kids into a movie that... When they added Oscar the Baby to the second one, the internet version of the early 90s or whatever, but the fandom around it, just from what I've heard contextually in reviews at the time, people
2: fucking hated
0: the idea that there was all of a sudden... They're like, what's a baby doing In the midst of this. And it's not even Venkman's kid with her. It's just like, what? Like, that pissed people off at the time. And the idea now that it's going to be like so.
1: You have to do that. Why not? Why would know, You just assume that she's gonna have a baby with him? Fucking Sigourney Weaver's a strong, independent female doing her thing in New York. Of course, she's not gonna just fuck Vankman and have a child. Why she's gonna do she it to have somebody to else. Have
0: a baby at
1: all? Other than they need the baby to be at stake, and like that is kind of the stakes of. Who that else movie. is Vigo gonna come back as Noah? Okay, lawyered, <laughs> 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 tabled. No, that's my <laughs> point, dude. Like, judge I judge and jury. I am the law. <laughs> anyway, that's my point. Is like the thing, and that's, and I don't. I'm. I will. It's the same How did reason. We get no, into I don't. Ghostbusters no, debate that was all you, brother. I just said so that much. I enjoyed the trailer. I get a little emotional, like just kind of like really excited. The nostalgia is injected straight into the main vein, and I'm just like. That's nice, because you know what? I love Ghostbusters, and I love Ghostbusters too. They're some so, of my favorite movies to watch.
0: So fucking rewatched them. And movie. I do. Why do, do want to huff the
1: fumes I did, of it, of it I don't, in some bullshit recreation? If I wanted to huff the fumes, I would have seen the ones with the females. It's just nice to see. have <laughs> seen the ones with the females. I don't work females. with the males because I used to be one. How I, much for your women? <laughs> how much for your women? Um... If I, I, it's not, it's not about that and those movies, Noah. It's about watching that trailer reminds me of watching it in the play, watching the second one in the playroom with you in Japan. That's what I think about when I see that trailer. It's not so much, oh my God, Ghostbusters is a thing. It's that feeling of nostalgia. It's that feeling that when you listen to something that like, like the, uh, Just listen to something today about can you enjoy an artist after they fucked up and done wrong? And the general consensus is you appreciate the art for what it is, not the artist making it. It's the same reason why three times this, this month already, Thriller has popped up on my my, music and I don't turn it off and I listen to it. I don't give a shit about the guy who made it. I remember the feeling I get when I first listened to it with you and you and I first watched the movie on those cassette tapes we had. It's not always about the new thing that's coming out and what it does. It's about that feeling it invokes so that for just a little bit of time just that little bit of time when that trailer was going like it didn't matter what else was going on I was like yeah, man, That's whether whether it makes money or not, that's cute. It looks good. And Mom's like, well, we should come back at Thanksgiving and watch it. I don't even know if I'll go see it. But I like what I see in the trailer. It invokes this nostalgic image of a time where I didn't have to worry about rent or bills or growing up. And it's nice to live there for a little bit. Even if it's two hours in a movie that, that, that people think shouldn't be made, it's kind of nice to live there for a little bit. Watching Halloween Kills with you and Mom... That was like putting on Halloween 4 on a Sunday afternoon when I, you know, all I had the next day was fucking high school coming up. It's all, it, that's why we consume it. The thing we're looking at now might not be the best, but what we know it can be and what it invokes and what it lets us do, it's the closest thing to like, you know, jacking into the Matrix and just not caring about anything else. It's it's like, that's what it's all about. That's why I, I, I we go back to horror. I go back to horror all the time. I've seen them a million times. They don't remind me. they don't I don't think about them as like socially conscious. I don't think about, oh, the kills. It brings up this time in my life where nothing was really that big at stake. Everybody, everything was good. It was just a random ass Sunday or Saturday night or Sunday afternoon where I just had this movie playing, and it was all good. And for the little bit of times when I see them, especially around this time of year, It just kicks up the nostalgia and it reminds me that, you know what, you may not feel like everything's dope right now, everything's great, everything's rolling for you, You, all your stressors or whatever, but you were okay and everything was fun and good at one time. Remember that you can have that so when you get up the next day and you feel like, oh fuck man, remember that you used to be able to do that and you can keep on rolling. That got really fucking deep. Let's talk about your pick from the 90s.
0: Uh, our conversation about nostalgia to be continued <laughs> after uh, you watch Last Night in Soho at the end of this month. Yeah, definitely a horror movie about nostalgia. So yeah, I look forward to that. I also would encourage you to watch the twenty-first or the twentieth. I need to look it up for you. Season of South Park. You know what a member berry is.
1: Yeah, I remember. I remember. Did you watch that Remember season? Star Wars? Yes, Noah. Of course I watched Star Wars. I know what you're talking about.
0: I'm just saying, like, I hear everything you're saying, but, like, you don't feel like it's a little cynical that, like, that's all that, like, a lot of popular entertainment is anymore. And we're not generating anything for people to have nostalgia about years from now for it. Now, granted, I don't know that we're all going to be... Not to get really deep, but I don't know that we're all going to fucking be here like five years from now. Right. Much less a decade. But like... Don't you think this at the end of, At a certain point, isn't this kind of the nadir of society and culture? If all we're doing is recycling and celebrating the same shit... We've been celebrating and recycling for the last decade. And like, Ghostbusters, we're talking about a movie that is almost 40 fucking years old. Mm-hmm. And Halloween, I mean, I'm not saying, oh, I never want another Halloween movie. I'm not even saying that. But it just, the fact that like you had such a profound response, and I get where you're coming from. But that also scares the shit out of me. Why? Because there's millions of other people that probably feel the exact same way you do. And I'm like, but don't you want something like I get, I don't know. I feel like I get more jazz when I see something where I'm like, holy fuck, that's a new thing that Mm -hmm. hit me the same way or like the same caliber of a reaction that i had to something like i will get nostalgic in that way i guess i would say i'm i'm looking or chasing something you that's want the next hit dude me, i get it you that's want going to make me feel yes that way exactly but it doesn't have to be me being spoon-fed that same thing or a watered down version of it again i i chase that feeling in general right. i would say
1: yeah no i get it I'm, it's not that I don't chase that either. It's that I can appreciate it when I find it, where I find it. Okay? Like, watching The Endless and Spring and all the Woodward and, <laughs> Bern, Woodward and Bernsteins. Morehead and George, George, whatever, yeah. Woodward and George? Whatever. What whatever. The I don't know their names. Watching those two. Like, whenever I watched The Endless and I was like, oh, fuck. They're walking right back into the, the set of *Revolution* or Resolution, It had the same feel as if like, oh shit, like, wait a minute. You mean to tell me that Marty was here the whole time? When we saw it was the same feeling, but it was something new, and it's these two. So when I went and watched Synchronic, I was fucking jazzed as shit because I know what these guys have done, and this is their shot to make it big. It's the same thing that like I've the same reason why I've told you many times, fuck you for green making me watch green room. Because it's visceral and it sticks with me. Same thing with Dragged Across Concrete and all these other things. It's there and I want them. But I'm just saying I use you as the filter for me to find them. Because it's a lot easier for me to just watch the Ghostbusters trailer. (laughs) Because because if I wait for you to tell me, hey man, you know Night Moves? Hey man, you know um, The Long Good Friday? Those shit's really good. Okay. And then I'm good. It's like, holy fuck, I can't believe I never saw this and it brings up every nostalgia time of like man remember when i first watched this thing what what would i would give to be able to watch something for the first time ever again that's why i'm pretty sure i'm probably gonna wind up with some form of dementia which would not bother me whatsoever because if i get to experience something new like that again be great i just hope i remember my children's names anyway beautifully said that was a good good chat yeah, it was worth talking
0: It was worth no, having the it Ghostbusters was- <laughs> debate to get us to that point. Um, Ghostbusters Afterlife coming soon to Thanksgiving, guys. Interview. Thanksgiving. Well, yeah, we'll theater see to you. We'll see yep, how it go. is. Mm-hmm. I like Paul Rudd. So you,
1: ta- alright. So take all right. Let's take Finn Wolfhard out of
0: Halloween here. Six. Paul, Paul Rudd. Rudd, bring yes. it back to horror.
1: The only star. Well, no, technically Donald Pleasant is there.
0: So also, I'm sorry.
1: Who- what?
0: I got to meet Finn Wolfhard's agent. Yes. Would You do. I mean, you got all these kids. They should all be superstars theoretically, right? It's the fucking b- one of the biggest shows. Well, now Squid Game is.
1: You watch Squid Game, bro? No, I need to. I thought
0: for sure you would have would have crushed it already. Did um, you
1: watch the Train to Busan sequel, Peninsula? I need <laughs> I was looking around as
0: if like somebody's
1: going to tell on me. I still haven't seen Train of I'm saving it as a present for myself for this year. Dude. You better watch it than watch Peninsula right after. Are they
0: both on Shutter?
1: Yeah. Okay. You watch VHS '94? Yeah. Okay. okay. Good. Me too. Steve. Me too. It was really. It was uh, not as good as the first one. Well, let's pause for a second.
0: Okay. Dig <laughs> we'll a little. We're side, in the '90s. Let's do it. A little it. sideways review again because yeah. we couldn't do. Yeah. Oh, can't do a full-on kills review yet, even though yeah. we keep talking about it somehow. I didn't see viral. Did you see VHS viral? Yes. Okay. You'd say that's the bottom of the barrel I'm I assuming. would honestly, yeah. Okay, here's my thing. I skipped viral. It had been a bit <coughs> excuse me. Been a bit since they made one of these. Mm-hmm. And the fact that it was on shutter, I was intrigued. And then I saw my one of my boys, Timo Chenjanto. Mm-hmm. Chen Tanjanto. I'm I'm probably butchering it. I'm terribly mm-hmm. sorry. Timo had kind of the centerpiece of this one. And if you'll recall, he had the centerpiece of VHS two, which is the whole cult demon segment. It's the best part of the second one. It's arguably Wait, the does best. Does he have the
1: robot one? Or is it the yes. okay. in this th- one? Th- that's um, why I kind of felt like they're vaguely similar in the way they're shot and in the way they feel. So like yeah. that makes sense. And they're
0: some of the same actors. But yeah. But yeah. The, the cult one for VHS two I think is arguably the best segment of any of them. I would put it up there with probably the The, first one has a lot of strong ones because the succubus is pretty incredible. The very first one. Yeah. First. Oh, the night out. First. Yeah. yeah. Um, my
1: favorite is still the, the, like they go into the house to save her, but it's like the radio, the
0: radio silence one at the end. You fucked up. Um, those guys are directing the new scream by the way. Hell yeah. The guys who did that segment. Then that's dope. um, That one's super strong as well. I I think the first one overall is pound for pound the most consistent, Mm -hmm. even though there's a few wonky ones in there. There's the like Friday the 13th esque, like which you can't see camcorder killer guy. Yeah, Yeah. Uh, not crazy about that one and a couple others, but anyways. But two has two great set pieces on which is really all you need. If you got if you got two decent ones mm-hmm. and a bunch of like four or five, I think you're you're, yeah, you're your fine. batting average is fine. Mm-hmm. I thought
1: Consistency Where Viral was, didn't have really anything to talk about right.
0: To
1: me. Right. Okay. Just didn't feel it. I just wasn't feeling it. Maybe there's some the, a hidden gem I didn't pay attention to, but.
0: In the case of 94 here, I would argue and I need to go back and look at the how one and two are paced and the order and everything. But I thought it had the most consistency across the board, like kind of base level of quality. I hated the wraparound segment, but that's kind of par for the course in all of the VHS movies is the wraparound segment kind of sucks.
1: I didn't mind the the first one of them breaking into the house.
0: Yeah, and you kind of want to see all those guys die Mm -hmm. because they suck. Um, The second one... And the first one... Doesn't the first one have, like, the body is moving around? Like, you see yeah, somebody you keep watch. Mov- It yeah. keeps moving, yeah. Yes. um, But I thought this was... Like, the framing device was atrocious. Yes. But, like, atrociously acted in a way that I thought was, like, pretty intentional at the same time. Right. Like, it was trying like they to knew be They knew they were making a VHS. Yes. Yeah. And I was on board with it for the first little bit. The ultimate, like, ending, ending reveal, I was like, this is too much. But... The first segment, The Rat Man. Oh God. I dude. thought was extremely effective. Yes. Really well really well shot. Worked for me. I love all the little interstitial ads. hmm The second one, The Funeral Home. Yeah. Yeah, please. I liked it a lot. It was
1: super creepy. I thought yeah. it had
0: a good setup and then ultimately like a pretty solid effect for the little bit that you saw it in. That one was done by Simon Barrett, if I'm not mistaken. Hmm. Wingard's buddy who he did. Um, you're next. And yeah, horrible way to die with. And then the Timo centerpiece with the kind of like first person shootery. I mean, it was less horror, but it was just a fun. It's more. Those are more like look, look period. what I can
1: do with this medium of like a first person and yeah. like what I can get away with.
0: And then the closer was the uh what was it like the white nationalist yes, that, that was that uh, <laughs> fucked with a yeah. vampire
1: they can't, yeah the vampire yes. don't get that blood on you yeah no oh, god <laughs> <laughs> it was so good yeah no
0: that was that was very no. satisfying so yes. no all i thought all of the segments were super enjoyable all the interstitial ads and i just thought the wraparound was kind of whatever yeah. but i had fun with it I, no, I, like yeah. it was a it was a nice surprise and yeah i know i did get that edge where i was like oh Maybe I should go check out Viral. And then I immediately was met with like, nah, you really don't need to You no. can skip that one. So. Like this,
1: this saves the entire like thing for me recommending it to people. Oh, absolutely. Because when it came, I was like, oh, fuck, there's a new VHS. And I was like, Bex, did I make you watch any of this? She goes, I don't know. And I was like, do you want to watch this? And she's like, mm. I was like, yeah, I don't know if you can handle like this stuff right now. So I yeah. think that's why we just started watching. Think We just did. Mid- that's how we started doing Midnight Mass.
0: And have you, you finished? Oh, we, were, yeah. We, yeah, we already it. texted yeah, yeah. about this. Um, do you want to do a little Oh yeah, spoiler totally. chat for Midnight Mass? We can, maybe? yeah.
1: Because I don't really have a ton to say about like your pick of the 90s or.
0: Oh, Cape Fear was my 90s pick. We already did talk about I've that. I've done right, plenty yeah. of Cape Fear rants. Yeah. Um, over the years.
1: So, well, yeah, we'll do it. Let's do a little you know, Midnight there's Mass. There's only,
0: there's only arguably two. Uh, I'll just talk real quick. There's only arguably two Scorsese horror films. I know most people consider Cape Fear a, a more of a thriller, or whatever the hell you want to call it. Um, I, the movie just operates at an 11. It's yeah. just one of the most heightened things ever. I fucking love every second of it. And it's a good one to throw into the mix to me in, our, in October where it's like, it's a dude. He's not wearing a mask. He's just a terrifying individual. And the setup is like, unbearable and it's tense as fuck and it is what it is and it sticks with you and it's incredibly rewatchable that's the other thing is like but also you know you don't have to use it in october because it works any time of
1: the year yeah
0: but yeah i just threw it in there because we've i don't think we've ever properly talked about a scorsese movie on the show so shutter island is the other one the more conventional horror pick if you wanted to which is also still people are like it's more of a thriller. I don't like this distinction. I don't like the thriller-horror distinction Um, most of the time. Sometimes it's appropriate. Okay. But, yeah. So, we're going to slide over. Spoilers. We're two hours deep. Yeah. Fuck it. Let's do it. Whatever. We're going to talk a little bit about Midnight Mass. Mike Flanagan's Midnight Mass. I just want to get your general thoughts on, like, the progression of the show. Like, were you... Did it take a bit to get its hooks in you or were the hooks like firmly in and then, you know, they just kind of twisted as you got the reveals of like, here's what's going on. Did you call it early on? Did you have any inklings of like? No idea. Okay, well, for those who have not watched, and again stop listening like you don't yeah, don't i, I would not want to take away the pleasure of the show for anybody so we're and it's, not even it's
1: not it's not much. it was like eight episodes it's seven episodes. seven episodes it's on
0: netflix i've
1: recommended it to plenty of people
0: it's incredible uh we both highly recommend it it's mike flanagan director of dr sleep and the haunting of hill house many other good things i have to sneeze
1: <laughs> <laughs> whoa oh. talk about a hot mic robert durst <laughs> Who is finally, you know, they're starting his trial soon. So thank God. Oh
0: Sorry. Oh jeez. Oh wow. <laughs> oh wow. Oh. Okay. It looks like you feel better. I think there might be another one coming on. We'll
1: we'll see. We'll see how far I'll we tell can you, get. Tell you, man, these cats—they do it to you.
0: Oh, guess so. Okay. Midnight Mass. Sorry, you want to talk for a minute?
1: Yeah, go (laughs) ahead. So, I mean, it's weirdly. I was gonna try and like throw in like the third day in here with just like these like isolated wicker man like island things, but initially I I love that's yeah yeah that's how it feels. That's what I was expecting, right? And that's exactly where I was going. And then you throw me a curveball with like the religious stuff, and I'm like, okay, and I was like. I was thinking like, okay. Early on, I was like, okay, this guy, he's not really a priest. Like, there's some angle here. So he when they killed the, priest yeah, exactly. Or he's not. Yeah. Well, so then when that episode happens where he's talking, and every time the light comes in, you're like jarred by something. I'm like, what the fuck? And he explains to you that essentially, he is the their priest, just reborn and younger. Well, here here's he's, the thing. Yeah.
0: I'm not, this is not even me trying to, like, pat myself on the back or anything. Uh-huh. This was literally just daydream type shit. Uh-huh. And it's, you know, trained movie TV watcher right. or whatever. They had harped on, in the first episode, they harped so much on the fact that the Monsignor was very old. Yes. Very, you know, decrepit and, like, not in great health. And they sent him on this mission trip, etc. They all, like, raised funds for him. And just the amount they harped on his age, mm-hmm. okay, when dude shows up, Father Paul, and I don't even know that we've seen him, seen him, but we've seen some people's reaction to him. Mm-hmm. I don't know that we've seen his like face fall But I kept thinking, I was like, oh, all these people are flipping out because it's young version, like, did he come back as a younger version of himself Mm -hmm. and then of course he presents as like my name's father paul yeah your monsignor fell ill i'm i'm filling in for the time being and then i'm like oh okay they're just reacting because they expected to see their priest and they didn't see their priest so i get off that trail and i start thinking like you do i'm like maybe he maybe he killed that priest to take over but like to what ends what's what's going on Mm mm-hmm so when it circles back around to oh yeah, it is it is him. He is the priest. And he's been restored to his youth by an angel. <laughs> and what dude, that whole the end of episode three, the extended like monologue, you've seen him, you know, in the confession booth the whole episode, mm-hmm. cutting back and forth to it. But him telling the story of, like, finding the, the creature in the cave, which, by the way, for a show that I felt like never really tried to do the jump scare thing, which yeah. I always appreciate. Flanagan, like, fluctuates between, like, he can do a good jump scare, but he's more about, like, bearing shit in the frame, et cetera. And he didn't even do much of that in this. Hmm. Like, the horror, I think, and I think some people, unfortunately, if they were in the, like, spooky mood or whatever, they start this up. Maybe feel like it doesn't deliver and tap out. The only on real it.
1: thing is the dead girl that he sees in prison. That's the only like shocking jump out action. Yes, but like, even
0: that and it's not follows that yeah, the no. follows the Flanagan school of thought to me, which is like he very rarely just like flashes something in front of you or tries to use that as the shock. It's more he makes you sit with things, right? And like just. It, you're you're in the same headspace as the Zach Gilford character. Anytime he lays down, this is what he fucking sees. So you're gonna have to sit with it for a bit too. Right. Um and, and Hill House did a great job with that where it's like there's just there's just ghosts like buried in the background throughout that entire show. Some of them you see, some of them you don't, like depending on your how good your TV is, essentially. Right. And how eagle eyed a viewer you are. Um and that like but again, that's different than like here's the jump scare with this right. thing. That's the just slow brooding, like, you know, the dread of like what's going what's going on in the background, what's gonna happen there, there's a presence watching me, whatever. But anyways, for a show that never fully like leans into horror, horror, no. or like no tropes set whatsoever pieces, to me. Um that reveal though in the cave of the angel was like when you just see the eyes in the darkness, one of the spookiest things I've seen yeah. in a while. Um, but yeah, the whole—I mean, again, I'm, we're not pussyfooting around it because we—we we assume you've seen the show by this point if you're continuing to listen. The reveal that he—again, he, he's saying angel the whole time, and it's i love that. Like as soon as you see it, you're like. I don't think that's an angel, bro. No, like, bro. Father Paul, I don't think that's
1: an angel. That's definitely like a fucking. It reminded me of like a, a fright night twenty eleven remake. Like lives in the desert because it's cool. It's a cooler climate to live in the yeah like walls of a desert cave type thing and will scourge around for food. Yeah. How the hell you even got there blows my mind. And then the idea that it's like, oh, well, this is an angel. I'm going to take this back to my flock and. We're all going to be reborn. Okay, cool, bro. I'm into it. Let's yeah. see what happens. And you're like, and I'm the pretty soul. sure that's a
0: demon. And you're not like, you haven't even fully started to, you're like, because they never say, they never say the word. No. They never say fucking vampire. No, they but don't. it's a fucking vampire. Vamp- yeah. And all of a sudden you're like, well, this is like Salem's Lot. On crack, essentially, but, like, with this whole, like, extra-religious bent to it. And and then immediately is just like, this is the best Stephen King that Stephen King had nothing to do with. Yes. Like, it's everything we love about a great Stephen King story. An ensemble of characters. A small town. Buried secrets. Religious elements. Religious iconography. You know, deep exploration of humanity and warring opinions on things. Dividing lines being drawn in the community. All of this shit. And you're just like, Mike Flanagan, who has now done four or five... So he did Gerald's Game.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: He did Doctor Sleep.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Why do I feel like there's another King one in there that I'm not thinking of?
1: What's the one... No, yeah, because Gerald's Game has Maybe those. it
0: is just those two.
1: Yeah, I know. Yeah.
0: But he... Yeah, to me he is weirdly like taking the mantle. He's like
1: a disciple kind of thing. He's if definitely a king religious.
0: disciple who I think at this point is like kinda of outdone him. Like I'm like, if this if the script for this was just adapted into book form, this would be a bestseller. Like, absolutely. This is mm-hmm. great shit. Um So yeah, again and that whole reveal and like the turn towards the horror elements in general is so secondary, but while we're while we are discussing genre, this is the best fucking vampire story, yeah, in a long time, long man.
1: fucking time,
0: and just so into and, and and all to, in the way like, that it presents,
1: but itself, it side, man. it sidesteps every trope ever in any genre, horror, action, thriller, whatever. Because, like, you know, when you see the Zach Gilmore character get turned, Guilford, Gilford, yeah. when you see him get turned, Matt Harrison. Yeah, man, seriously. <laughs> when he gets turned I'm like, oh, great. So, it's like, dude, okay, that episode four. Right.
0: A, that kill off Joe midway through the episode. Right. Joe Colley, played by the fantastic Richard Longstreet. One of my, I'll give it a thumbs up, one of my favorite elements of Halloween Kills, actually, Lonnie Elam. Yeah. Um, love that guy. He's also in Dr. Sleep. Also yeah. Also in Hill House. Lots of other things. Um. When they killed Joe, I was furious. But it caught me off guard Mm -hmm. and it worked because I was not expecting it in the middle of an episode. Right. I was not expecting it in episode four. Right. And I was not expecting it to go down the way it did. And I was very upset because to that point he was one of my two favorite characters. My other favorite character was the lead, played by Zach Gilford, who's dealing with his own guilt and like, you know, trying to readjust to this community, trying to figure out what his life is like after he's gotten out of prison after 4 years for drunk driving and manslaughter mm-hmm. um and then you get, oh my god dude just great storytelling just the kind of shit that oh you just it absolutely devastated me you have the beautiful setup he's had this blossoming like reconnection and relationship with um I'm sorry, the character's name escapes me, but the teacher, Miss Green. Yeah. Yes. And essentially they've had like a great dialogue with each other.
1: They hadn't they spent the night together. He's gonna to come back.
0: They spent the night together, but wake up presumably fully clothed. The implication
1: They're rekindling what they had before But he The left.
0: implication is you come back tonight because like I def like you definitely stay in the night and like We're definitely getting it on. That's the implication is come back later tonight. And then he goes to his AA meeting. Joe's not there. And father Paul lies to him to cover up. And it's, I love the setup of how we know that he's lying right in the moment. And the, one of the best performance moments from Zach Guilford in the show, um, of playing that reaction and not revealing that he knows that he knows that whole thing, right? Great stuff. So we're getting towards the end of the episode, and he's had the thing with his mom where it's like, "Hey, don't trust him. He he lied to me. Like something just feels off about this. Don't just." But you've also be
1: had what what we should point out is that like one of my <coughs> favorite things is how low key. All the people in the town are changing for the better because right. of the sacrament. Mm-hmm. Mom's not wearing her glasses anymore. Dad's got you know a little pep in his step. You know, some people are flat out de aging. Right, the elderly women all are like, recovering yeah, from dementia you know, because it's all being de-aging. like given. You know, through the sacrament of confession or right. not confession of uh, mass. You know, yes. the body of body and, and blood of Christ. So you have that going on, and he's like, "Yeah, no, don't trust this dude. I don't, you know, he lied to me, blah blah blah." blah. Right. And he, he, comes, comes, he Basically, going, has that thing. He's gonna. He's at her doorstep. It's like right he right fucking there, dude. Right.
0: And he just can't let it go because he's like, that shit just didn't feel right. Right. Meanwhile, Father Paul and his angel.
1: The angel's finally arrived. It took him a while. Yeah, he's, he's been
0: flying around, just checking shit out, presumably, mm. you know.
1: Eating all the cats on the island. Yeah. Oh, God.
0: I had So I started this without Veronica because I knew there was cat shit, and I basically, I was the cat. I had to make sure right. that it was watchable. Uh-huh. Um, ultimately, she only saw bits and pieces of the show, but she enjoyed it. Well, how do you
1: think I feel when the dog died? Oh, when dude, where well, they the killed X. Joe's dog. Yeah. That
0: Fucking woman, dude. We'll get to her in a minute. We will fucking get to her in a second. Okay. But, yeah. Angel has showed back up, is, like, transferring the blood and everything. And the way they're cross-cutting between these two things, like, they're in the rec center, and you know he's now walking there, and you're just like, oh, but obviously, they'll do the classic thing where it's like, we think they're gonna be found out but at the last second when he comes through this door, it'll just be Father Paul and he'll cover it up and we'll we'll move along to the next episode. But we'll know, you know, maybe we'll see the, the dude lurking in the back. No. He walks in at the exact inopportune moment, and before we even have a second to process it or he does, the fucking angel vampire demon flies across the room, he's down on the ground, and he's getting his neck chewed out, and they're feeding on him. Hard cut to credits. And I sat up and I was like, the fucking balls on this show, dude. Yes. To kill off my two favorite characters right. t- to this point.
1: In the same fucking episode. In the
0: same episode, less than 20 minutes apart. Shocking. Absolutely shocking. And then I had to remind myself, but dude, it's only seven episodes. This is episode four. This is when shit would be getting crazy if it was the midpoint of a season. Mm-hmm. Or like headed you into the back half. But yet, it still completely caught me off guard. And then to open the next episode for a bit with like all of this, oh yeah, I don't know where Riley is. And like I'm really mm-hmm. mad at him. All this different shit. And just mm-hmm. you're like, oh my god, the tragedy, the pathos. Of like they don't know he's gone. Like this sucks. And then he's then he pops up at night, and you're like, oh fuck, oh now he's one. And then the full circle around to like, no, I'm going to take you out on this boat, tell you the whole story, and then I'm going to, I have to self-sacrifice because there is no way that you would ever actually believe Believe this until you see it. And the only way for me to get you to believe it is to basically commit suicide by sunlight. Right. And that, I mean, that was just so fucking well done. And I've been sitting here saying my two favorite characters... Make no mistake, Father Paul, <sighs> Hamish Linklater, that might be the fucking performance of the year as far as I'm concerned. I thought he was absolutely incredible throughout the whole run. Mm-hmm. Just astounding shit. I know he's been around for a while. I don't think I've ever seen him in anything. I know no. he's a big theater guy. Yeah, He's been in a couple of TV shows. I, I was absolutely transfixed. I felt like every single like micro decision he made in terms oh, and I, of and I deliveries love like, the, like everything i love the mom, the mom the
1: mom that's gotten like a, a lot younger being like i don't know who the hell that is but we're not going back to that church just like some of the most cryptic just like what the fuck shit and i think the thing i love the most is that like it's like it's not a it's not a hive mind type thing it's a... Oh, you're oh turned, favorite, you turn do, you, and you do your own thing. You're not nefarious. One
0: of my favorite moments in the finale is when little Elliot from E.T., mm-hmm. Henry Thomas, who, I'm sorry, did you watch Hill House? Yes. Did you watch Blind Manor? No. Okay. I'm glad somebody's employing Henry yeah. Thomas and actually making great use of yeah. him, because between his performance in Hill House as the patriarch, his performance... In Bly Manor, as a Brit, a pretty convincing British accent as mm-hmm. well. And then in this, as kind of an everyman, like, completely different characters. hmm All utterly believable and convincing. Like, he's he fucking rules, dude. Henry Thomas is the shit. Anyways. Um, but the moment in the finale, after he's been turned in the church, all hell's broken loose on the island, etc., and he reconnects with the mom mm-hmm. and it's like I didn't feed on anybody and she's like, Neither did I like and I knew you didn't either. I was like, Oh, there are still like some good people left. And the whole thing that he gets into her it's like, you know, I felt the impulse, but I could control it. It you know, all these people who are doing this right now, it's because they want to. They could just as easily like fight the hunger, the pain, whatever mm-hmm and not be taking part in this, but at the end of the day, it comes down to its human nature. But yeah, no, the whole, like, you're not some mindless, like,
1: you know. It's a complete, it's a a fucking Garden of Eden. They are all without sin. Yeah. And they are given, like, knowledge and told, all right, here's the deal, but you can't, you know. And the free will is, do you not partake in eating or do you? After you've been given the new blood of, like, in my head, just because, you know, I always got to go back to Dracula 2000. Of course. As soon as they were like an angel, I was like, oh my God, is that Judas? <laughs> is that Judas? But again, it's you just. You, a just fucking, brought it, you just brought it full circle? Yeah, of course. So, but, and again, I think we have I to loved, end the podcast. I, lo- <laughs> I love the. I love, and I love that it's. I love the, the, the Muslim in it with his son, the dinette back, back and forth of that. Just the, like, the levels that it gets because the thing, it- the, No, well, the thing that, like, doesn't reach the whore level, but it still bothers me and gets to me, is, like, when they've got him and it's like, hey, dude, you don't have to do this. You don't have to drink this shit, take this sacrament thing and die. And it's basically like a father pretty much being held down by the world and his son is going against not only his beliefs, but his mother's religious beliefs and the tearing of that back and forth. For the sun to come back and be like, okay, like, I'm, you know, this is wrong. We should burn. Like, for you, just to, him to have that change, even though he has turned. Yeah. Because doesn't the sun, the sun comes back and kind of helps towards the end. Doesn't he burn? Yeah. yeah. And the, their thought of, like, the humans that are, are, humans, but the people who are not turned still being like. There, ain't, this has to stop. We can't let him get to the end. Oh yeah, it has band.
0: the thing ending of like, yeah, nobody the, can let's, leave let's here. Let's burn the, the boats, you know. Oh no! And as soon as I knew that was the trajectory, I was like, I
1: fucking love this show right. so much because dude. because this my is, thing like, is, I, mean, I was already when, in love when they open that episode and Riley's back. I'm like, great. We now we can get into the fucking let's.
0: Let's, let's have get, a lost boys let, fight let's right? get a group
1: together with a lost boys <laughs> yeah. fight us versus them whatever so to, to turn that and say no i'm gonna kill myself and that's how you're gonna remember what you know i'm i bullshit again perfect they, i didn't know they, i wanted it i know
0: exactly they fucked me up two episodes in a row because i was like you brought him back to kill him again yeah. and it worked yeah. like normally if you did that in any other show i'd be like fuck You, dude. Right. It's the equivalent of like when they bring Glenn back on The Walking Dead after like he was absent. Yeah. Bring him back to kill him like, you know, less than 10 episodes later. That kind of shit. Speaking of that,
1: though, one of the things I do love, apparently, recently as they're winding it down, there is a conversation in the show between like Negan and Maggie. mm -hmm. And he basically is like, fuck no, I'm I'm not going to apologize. I don't feel bad. Your people murdered all of my men at that station. What do you think i was gonna do just let you live no i had to show like that we aren't weak because the first sign of my people what'd you do you you were looking for negan you killed them all you didn't give them a chance why the fuck would i yeah okay just because i did it and like and it's never been touched on before and that was the thing i always said whenever anybody would talk about it's like well i mean they kind of did deserve it they just murdered all these humans for no reason yeah. Because they, and so I was appreciated that that in the walking dead did happen. You just you mentioned Glenn, I had to throw that in there. But um yeah, it's a, it's the same thing. You're like every time you think you know what the show is going to be and what you want from it, you are denied it. But what you are given is exactly what you didn't know you wanted from the get-go. Because we are wrong. There are two kids who make it out, which is nice, but when they're like, no, we got to burn the boats. And the realization of like, oh, they burned the boats. Like we're not getting out of here. And then when the Muslim kid's like, fuck it, we're all going to burn and throws the thing. And it's like, it's perfect. It reminds me of like, uh, the end of return to Salem's lot where they're mm-hmm. or like the end of, uh, vampires where it's like, you don't see it cause it's still dark. And of course the miss green, she, you know, winds up stabbing the wings. So the angel can't. Angel vampire demon that he can't fly anywhere, and the last shot is just they see him going in the night. Totally leaves it up to like, if you want to revisit that property, you can. I wouldn't, I enjoyed what I wanted. I don't
0: know, it has a definitive end on that, right?
1: Though. Yeah, you well, you could leave it as like the vampire thing wasn't able to make it to land and burn up in the sun, or somehow managed to you know find its way into a cave, and that's yeah, that. But we know it,
0: we know it died. How? Because the last line of the show is, I can't feel my legs. Oh. Yeah, that's what lets you know he didn't make it to shore. They saved the day. Oh. It's actually a really happy ending. Oh.
1: I didn't pay, I, I must have. Yeah, no, the very last
0: line is the girl who'd been miraculously healed. Uh-huh. She says, I can't feel my legs again. That's the very last line of the show, but that lets you know he's, the creature is dead. Because if he was alive, the magic or whatever, the magic blood blood would still be sustaining her. She'd be still feeling the effects of it.
1: But wouldn't she eventually lose it anyway because she wasn't constantly being fed it at mass? I didn't take it as that.
0: I took it as that was our final. I mean, it's literally the last line of the show. I took that to let you know that, no, he didn't make it back. That our heroes did triumph in the end. Even though they all had to die, they did save the rest of the world.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I mean, Jesus had to die to save the rest of the world, no? Okay. Ultimately, that's what it's all about. All right. You make a few um, vampire angels in the process, so be it. Um, Beth Keene, The Oh, God, what a bitch. She...
0: I was having this conversation with Evan. We had it boiled down to, like, who... She was, like, three characters in one. But it was definitely... Oh, he he brought up... <laughs> Is it Beth? Is it Beth Grant and uh, Donnie Darko? Um, he told me to force him to forcibly insert.
1: Do you <laughs> Do you know what my away me- Do out. you know what my away message is on my teams at work? Sometimes I doubt
0: your commitment to Sparkle Motion. Yes, yeah.
1: but it's her, so it's a little bit of her.
0: Right, I said, um, Marcia Gay Harden's character in the Mist. Yeah, and then it just occurred to me now, but a lot of piper lori from carrie as well yeah. carrie's mom if you swirl those three together um my god dude the scene where after she murders joe's dog she killed that dog make no fucking <laughs> mistake no bones about it she killed that fucking no, dog I- and the sheriff comes in to question her about it next to her giant vat of, of, of like, rat poison, poison. yeah that scene, my God, dude, like some of her deliveries where it's like, she knows that he knows and he can't do shit about it. And she's like reveling in it. I was like, I fucking cannot wait
1: for you to die. And And then of course she becomes the right hand. Yeah, exactly. And And
0: then they just make you wait for it. And you're just like, I need comeuppance for her. And what it ultimately is, is everybody is Father Paul kind of telling her like, No, we got this wrong. You're fucking... And that's what I kind of loved about the show overall is... And I respect this about pretty much anything that approaches it this way. Religion is not inherently evil. I've got my own personal issues with organized religion. But religion is not inherently evil. No. But what the show shows you is how it can be used for good and for ill. And trying to find the balance between those two, essentially. Mm-hmm. But you see how it can be grossly misinterpreted and, like, misused, misrepresented, and how you, you know, that, those moments towards the end where, like, again, in practical, normal, everyday, real-world scenario terms, this is all batshit crazy. Mm-hmm. But the fact that she has a Bible verse for everything, from, mm-hmm. oh, this is the book of Revelation, this is fucking normal as shit, like we told you this would happen. Like all of that stuff is just uh, hit me. I was like, it's so brilliantly done. And it's just, I mean, it felt like one of the, it felt like a project that Flanagan had like been, been working, working on, yeah. on forever, where it's just like every little element of it was, you know, flawless. It's so great, man. I mean, there's, there's, some things I could quibble with overall and like it's particularly in the finale which I think is it has a lot of like weight on its shoulder to tie up everything and I thought for the most part pretty much operated like a Swiss watch like there was nothing that was set up or lingered on in the series which I love its languid pace its long dialogue scenes and all of that there was no real like dangling thread that I felt like was not fully pulled on yeah um very satisfying ending and i also liked knowing that like this is it like, yeah no exactly. we're not getting any more of this we are getting another new brand new mike flanagan show in 2022 with a lot of the same cast members and i do know that hamish link later is basically part of the repertory crew now so hmm. he will be in the next one and it is called midnight something but i can't remember what the I'm gonna look it up while we're talking about this. Any thoughts on the 2000s? Because it is getting late. We're we're pretty deep into this.
1: Just just quickly on it, I put um slither on there. Just not slither, splinter, splinter. on there because a good movie too. it is. Yeah, I did rewatch that because so, it was a, like unknown. Uh, I feel like to a lot of people. If you haven't watched, if you're a horror horror person, you know it. If you're a casual viewer of horror, you probably don't. But it's our boy Shea Wiggum and the only other recognizable actor in there would be the friend from Road Trip. I don't know his name. That's the only other one I can think of that you might know if you're just a casual viewer. Um, The thing mostly about the 2000s, I think we did kind of get into with your little rant about uh, spoon-feeding nostalgia. There's a little bit of that, that with Rob Zombie is, especially Devil's Rejects. that is his version of a 70s freak out crazy bat shit texas chainsaw everything all in one and i appreciated that the same way that like even though i was getting spoon-fed halloween i didn't get a nostalgia vibe from that one i got a well let's see this guy's interpretation of it because i trust him from house of a thousand corpses to devil's rejects and I don't know where it went. It went off the rails. But it just feels like after doing Halloween and doing it the way he wanted to, those two movies, it he you know I feel like we. I mean, you and I watched Lords of Salem. That was all right, you know. I think arguably his best movie. Yeah, very next creepy. To Halloween too. Yeah, exactly. And you know, you said don't bother with thirty one, and then you know, three. Thirty one was a huge letdown. Three from hell,
0: I think is. Yeah, you're battling
1: with, like, Sid Haig not being in it because of his, you know.
0: But I do love uh, Richard Brake. I mean, if you kind of sub somebody in. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But no, I think when when Rob Zombie hit the scene, I think for a certain type of horror fan,
1: Mm -hmm. it was
0: a, like, exactly what you're talking about. It's like, and it's kind of what I personally prefer and want more of, which is, like, I don't, like, I don't need a remake of the thing that's a bastardized version of it. I want you to take what you love about all of this and give me something new. Right. And in a lot of ways, I... to build from like House of Thousand Corpses, which felt like dialing it back to like, hey, I want shit to like feel a little dangerous again, a little more like subversive and like creepy. Oh, like, no.
1: I mean, I remember people were getting having to too like stale leave. with like
0: J horror in that time period. We're getting into like just remake after remake which some are successful and some are not but we're basically readapting all of the classic properties for the most part
1: you're throwing it and there's some gems in there that you get which is I, 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 your saws, your hostels, which do start their own subgenre High Tension comes along in there which is a foreign film which I I appreciate um, on so many levels for I think if is. I
0: remove
1: I, th- I think in retrospect if you take out every reboot remake from that early thing and just focus on the original things you got even if they were based on things like Ivan Malat with Wolf Creek knowing exactly what that guy did and how fucked up he was and the well, the li- they, they the 2000s tried to lie to you the 2000s tried to say like oh this killer in australia has never been caught yes he has we know exactly who that guy is (laughs) then they remade texas chainsaw oh oh, well they found all this stuff when they were going through the house and like look at the found footage of like what was waiting down there it's all one dude it's all a guy who had a mom complex who who wore skin it's ed Gann. that's it there never was a massacre and for some people they love like getting into all that and some people like myself love to just tell them no it's just this guy don't worry about it. Don't right. be scared. I was scared of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre and how visceral that first kill you talked about is. And when I learned that that was complete bullshit and it was literally just Ed Gein and people were taking this tiny little piece of his true crime story and turning it into this stuff, I thought, fuck yeah, great. Awesome that you did that, but also doesn't affect me. I'm not as bothered because I know who the real guy is. you know. But there's certain things that have come out in the 2000s and since then that fundamentally bother me because one, there is no source material to take them to and they're just really inventive and ingenious ideas that are somewhat universal but also can be melded really well to just like my personal relationship with the world at large. I'm thinking more of like an It Follows, Uh thinking more along the lines of like a green room of like that's the closest thing to somebody instantly is in the wrong place at the wrong time and what can you do to get out of it and oh guess what you're not mm-hmm. and so that one has stuck with me as well but for that little bit of time in the early 2000s we did have you know I mean to me Rob Zombie was the guy when it came to horror in the I early that's 2000s. what I'm saying
0: I think he was like the kind of the next great hope where people thought that it was going to kind of signify a shift back to like like I said more. Danger yeah. because it wasn't as graphic and intense as his movies can be they still existed outside of this torture porn thing that was starting to happen right even though i feel like people tried to lump devils rejects into that territory and no. i don't i think that was a mistake um but i talked about the year of 2005 which is devils rejects mm-hmm. which i saw in the theater with you yep <clears throat> wolf creek which yep. I saw in the theater with Definitely with mom. I don't know if you were there for that one as I well. I was,
1: because I remember being bothered by the fact that you could, I, they de- They hadn't caught the dude and just how like gut punchy. Yeah. Because that's the thing. I don't know if it was, there was a, an, maybe, and again, I don't like to, I do this all the time. We talk about this time and day. But I feel like the reason why, like the torture porn and all this stuff, it was stuff that didn't happen. It was either in the 70s back in the day when it happened. Even though I don't think, and they don't say the Devil's Rejects is back in the day, but they'll give you a year. But you could argue that it could have been present day in the West, or you could back in the day.
0: You know, it's in the seventies.
1: How do they give you? They have to give, give you a year.
0: I think they do in House of a Thousand Corpses, but those movies take place in the seventies. Okay, Or okay, they then, reference uh, them on the radio then and that's, stuff. Then that's yeah. good
1: because I feel like as a reaction, everything in the two thousands had to have this weird level of like maliciousness outsider not american torture bully and it was everybody's fear wrapped up in like the guy that murdered orchestrated the murder of all these people on 9-11 is still out there so mm-hmm. you had your ivan Milat character from wolf creek who was like oh i'm friendly i'm an aussie guy but then like oh, i'm gonna fucking marry go ahead do what you want scream no one's coming for you you are fucked completely And I know it, and I'm going to get off on it while I do it. Then the, you know, they may have been American, may have not, like the businessmen in the hostels things. You know, the Saul killer who like has all this planned out and whatnot. I've always looked at like this early 2000s into the latter part of we were very afraid of the unknown other foreigner that we couldn't explain and we had to manifest it onto film in a weird way.
0: I'm not... Just to go along with what you're saying, not that I think it's intentional, but the other one from 2005, we've already mentioned Devil's Rejects, we've already mentioned Wolf Creek, and we've mentioned Mm Hostel. The fourth one in this component is The Descent. Right. Which is also... It's us going into an outsider thing. But yeah, it's an unknown, it's a creature, Mm -hmm. etc. And then... I think part of the brilliance of that movie, too, is as much as the creatures are a factor, a lot of it is those girls turning on each other. Yes. And their interpersonal relationships being like brought to the surface mm-hmm. because of the heightened situation that mm-hmm. they're in. Another brilliant movie that does not show you shit At for all. like an hour. Right. Yeah. And then that's when the it mess. does, it's you're on. like, Oh, fuck! Get me out of here! I need to be and out you're of here. Saying, right and
1: now. again, you're saying 2005. That's two years after we've been lied to about weapons of mass destruction. If you and I, people forget about that now because it's all like, oh no, there were no WMDs. Making a movie in that particular time frame, you've been told by the people that again, 70s and 80s cynicism about the government, whatever it is, you've been told by the people who were in power that we then reelected a few years later to stay the course. That the guys that want to hurt us might have mass weapons, of mass weapons of mass destruction. We're back in the 80s again. We don't know if we're going to make it to the end of the decade because what if they do? What if they come get us? So operating under that time frame, everything you I feel like you can look at as a post 9/11 cathartic release via you know our fear of like this foreign entity or going and doing something outside of our comfort zone we're not used to is going to get us killed going into a cave okay that's us going into the caves of Afghanistan and it's getting our young men and women killed because that's what we're that's what the government's doing okay the people who are attacking us in these these movies we may not know them and even if we do you know because we've met them we there's no real general reason why they would like to do it other than they want to do it was there some big thing? I mean, it's not like bin Laden had his, his finger on the stock market and was going to make his family even richer. He just wanted to do it because that was his belief and ideology to do it, essentially, if you you know, you know want to try to get technical. So I think the things that we enjoy and the things that actually hit and are memorable are things like Rob Zombie because it's not focused on any of that. It is throwing it back to this crazy, like the root error of horror, but it's through the lens of a guy who grew up and loved it. And that gets and let's, into...
0: Let's not forget, one of the biggest versions of that at the time, which seems almost unthinkable now, was centering the entire movie on the killers. Right. Make, taking your villains from the first film mm-hmm. and making them your protagonist, which mm-hmm. I, I think has recently been done in reverse... Uh, well, no, in exactly the way I just said. I haven't seen it, but Don't Breathe 2 looks, yeah, he's like, the bad guy, yeah. looks he... like the villain from the first one mm-hmm. is now. And granted, the first one, I, that's part of what I liked about it, was it walked this line of like, well, these kids breaking into this house kind of fucking suck too. Like, I kind of mm-hmm. hate all of these people, so I don't really care what happens. But it was still just this incredible heightened level of tension. I've heard 2 is just okay. But the idea that they took the the rapist murderer from the, the first party crasher. one. yeah. Don't, don't fuck. Don't go to the fucking party and, crashers And house made that him simple. made him the good guy. Is very interesting to me. Basically, right. made him John Wick, blind John Wick. Exactly. Is what it looks like. So and it's
1: the idea too. Like the, we talk, we talk about the collector and the collection. Like the collector to me is wholly original. Would you put like that it, on your well, list?
0: No, 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 I'm sorry, I got all sidetracked. But like, and not that you not that it has to be tied to or whatever, but going along with your point, yes, it is removed from it, but the brilliant crux of that movie too is by making the villains the protagonist, then we have this interesting dynamic of the normal hero element. Dell in that movie,
2: mm-hmm. we
0: see go from somebody who's trying to walk the line mm-hmm. and then who ultimately crosses it and by the end of it, turns into someone who is just as vi- vicious as the people he's pursuing.
1: la anybody who might have been torturing people, in Abu Grave, one hundred percent. That's exactly.
0: And I'm like, whether that was a calculated thing on his part or even something that was in his brain, I don't know. But in mirroring something that, like, hey, we haven't seen this in the horror genre that much. It no, is can, an I mean, interesting echo rarely. of, like, yeah, you, you know, the tortured literally tortured by the death of his brother and like Mm -hmm. needed to avenge him becomes the torturer and like when do you cross it we know when that's what i love about the end of that movie is the lines have been so utterly blurred that you're now rooting for the good guy to get killed because you don't want him to kill the murderers who you've grown attached to it is so they fucked up brilliant magic trick yeah that still works every time you watch and it. that's why and it's three from 50. hell kind
1: of takes it off the rails but right you know. but i mean one to three from hell come out like two or three years ago <laughs> right wouldn't you argue that the whole country was off the rails by 2016 No yeah i think i'm gonna i'm actually gonna re-watch
0: three from hell because it's on shutter right now yeah i saw that i'm um, gonna actually
1: check it out i've never seen it
0: it's it does have. I mean, it is not the caliber of rejects. It mm-hmm. is not, unfortunately, partly because of budget, a lot of other things. Um, but it does have its moments, and I'm probably going to revisit some of those moments. So, uh, we need to wrap this up so I can watch something before I fall asleep tonight, yeah. and so that you can get home safely. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, this was a nice, lengthy,
1: yeah,
0: October chat. We will definitely be back.
1: We're gonna hit you with an eight more days to Halloween, brought to you by Silver Shamrock Mask Company. Yes. Uh, if you need to get your Silver Shamrock mask, we have they have three of them out this year. There's a light, there's a really lively pumpkin, as a the classic skeleton, and a really ghoulish green witch. Just so make sure you get your Silver Shamrock mask. Make sure you get them before Halloween. And you got to make sure Halloween's on a uh, Saturday this week, this year, right? Okay. Sunday this year, right? Make sure, 9 p.m. Sunday, you and the kids gather around the TV. There's going to be a special presentation by Silver Shamrock. Um, Anchor Bay uh, is putting it on. It's going to be on all major, all the three big networks, your NBCs, your ABCs, all that. So make sure you get your Silver Shamrock mask. Make sure you watch them Sunday, 9 p.m. It's going to be there. Right now, we got a few more days till Halloween, but we're going to be bringing you guys some stuff. You know, counting them down. Eight more days to Halloween. Halloween. I remember Halloween. It's <laughs> it's amazing, man. You know, uh, dead cat. Uh, what is it? Um, Brownlee Vertigo. Uh, what are all this difference of Dead cats <laughs> hanging from poles. I remember you, Halloween. I'm just you going. You were going
0: really strong, and then you're starting to run I'm out. Started. Answer my eyes, Johnson. I got in my eyes.
1: I got a, I got a p- terrible condition. I feel no pain, but I got I got answer my eyes. I just I'm answer my eyes, Johnson. That's my favorite bit from Rick and Morty's of my Eyes Johnson. <laughs> it's on one of the episodes where they they're watching Intergalactic TV. But again, folks, 9, a, 9 p.m. Sunday night, Halloween, October 31st. Make sure you get your Silver Shamrock mask. It's going to be uh it's going to be a, a a a big a great show. It's, we got a great show for you. Silver Shamrock mask, got to get them, you know, Get 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 that with all your creepy crawlies and stuff. You know, make sure you get make sure you get the real silver shamrock one. They got the medallion on the back. Don't get the knockoff ones. Don't go down the street just because you know the black market guys on the on the corner are like, hey, you need a silver shamrock mask? I can get you one for ten dollars. Pay you pay the twenty bucks. I listen, guys. I personally know Connell Cochran. He's a great guy.
0: This is the spookiest thing that's ever happened. This is my nightmare. Please shut the fuck up and end the show now. We're done. I'm Noah, you're Gavin. It's October. We'll be back soon. Love you guys. Stay spooky.